Welcome to the Arcade Repair Tips Question and Answer Podcast. The podcast that answers your questions about arcade repair and restoration. Now, here are your hosts, Tim and Jonathan. Hello and welcome to episode 29 of the Arcade Repair Tips Question and Answer Podcast. My name is Jonathan Leung, the producer, director, and editor of the Arcade Repair Tips video series. And joining me today, as always, is Mr. Arcade Repair Tips himself, Tim Peterson. Tim, how are you doing today? Exhausted. <laughs> Exhausted. Now, we should mention to everybody that, of course, you work at Chuck E. Cheese, and this is probably one of the busiest times of the year for Chuck E. Cheese, also known as spring break. So how have things been going during this spring break week? Well, you know, uh, a lot of people think that our busiest time of the year is in the summer. It's actually not. It's this time of year. And spring break week is our busiest week of the year. So, uh, yeah, if you're in the arcade industry, uh, you're loving the money you're making, but really hating all the the extra effort. We're just really, really busy. But it was a good week. We had a good week. I'm just glad that it's over with. I hear you. Well, it's good to have you here. So I'm glad that you're all in one piece and the kids didn't tear you apart or anything. There's no <laughs> scratches right. on you. I assume that there were no parent fights or not many, at least that you had to get into. <laughs> no, we're not, not many. There's been a lot of news about Chuck E. Cheese. We posted a couple of the articles on the Facebook page, Tim, and it just seems like lately there's been a lot of news about Chuck E. Cheese in general. Do you think that, that contri- there's anything contributing to that at this point? Well... Here's a kind of official Chuck E. Cheese response. you got to remember, 65 million people visited our restaurants last year. Right. And there were a handful of cases where some people broke out and fight. <laughs> so really, I mean, you know, to downplay that a little bit, take in consideration the amount of traffic. Right. Whereas if you want to say Walmart, for instance, or, or anywhere else, is probably going to be just as high. It's just a little bit more noticeable when it happens at a kid's place like that. They had a show on Nightline last night about it. You know, some people are blaming alcohol and so forth, but, you know, everybody's trained. They don't give anybody more than two drinks and stuff. Right. Really, I think this about anybody with that much foot traffic. There probably were more fights in the churches of the United States. In fact, I know of a few <laughs> of them. So just to give you an idea, you know, so, but, you know, every everybody kind of blows the news up a little bit. Sure. Well, you know, and again, this is a busy time for y'all, so it makes sense that you'd be getting more news during this time. Yeah. So, but anyway, Tim, let's get away from that and let's get into just a couple of announcements before we get started. And the first thing I do want to mention is that we released a new video on using a tube rejuvenator with our friend Stan. Right. And I hope you guys have taken some time to check out that video. I think it's about 25 minutes long or so, a little bit longer than our typical yeah. video, but gives you some really good information on how to use a BNK tube rejuvenator. Now, Tim, obviously you're in this video. I mean, do you think, how do you think that the video went? Do you think the information was pretty practical? Oh, and yeah. another thing I want to ask you is, do you think that the the information we gave kind of covers all tube rejuvenators to a certain extent. Yeah, to to an extent. I, I think that uh, one reason why we shot the video, honestly, you'll be able to read the instructions or you can kind of watch it if you don't have one. The real goal, I think, of shooting that video was to show people what they really do. Right. So you can decide if you're going to repair quite a few games, if you want to invest in one or not. Right. If you just have one game or something... Or if you want to take, like we've encouraged people, take it down to an old TV repair shop. They might do it for you or wouldn't charge you very much. Basically, we wanted to show that it's not hard. It's not rocket science to it. But it is, you know, there are some steps and stuff. And we did uh, show the, the effects of it, how it did really affect the tube that we were working on. It did need rejuvenating, so and it did do a, a really good job when we got through. So it was kind of a little bit informative. Uh, just more like to show what it would do so somebody can make that informed decision now. Most people just hear of it. They don't. If you've never seen one, 
then it kind of we just wanted to show exactly what it does. Sounds good, and I think it was one of our better yeah. videos. And we want to really thank Stan for allowing us to film in his game room to to show kind of his rejuvenator and in the process he goes through. Because I think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of that. So hopefully you've checked out that video. If not, go check it out on our YouTube page, which we'll tell you where to go to at the end of the show. Tim, we should also mention we've been really busy recording some good videos, and yeah. we've recorded about three that are in the can, not edited yet, but three that are in the can that you're going to be seeing in the coming months. And the first one was checking potentiometers with a multimeter. We right. also did one on drilling holes in plexiglass and one on troubleshooting games that are playing blind. Now, Tim, is there anything you want to mention about any of these videos in particular that you think would really help people? Yeah, I think that they're all going to be pretty uh, pretty helpful. Uh, the potentiometer one, we get a lot of questions about that. Uh, you know, that would concern like sound, volume, a lot of other things use potentiometers too, Monitor like your monitors and adjustments. We discussed some of that in the video, but probably one of the best videos we've ever shot, in my opinion, was the one on a game playing blind. Yeah. We've actually got a couple questions. We'll talk about that some today. Just the fact that, you know, there's probably about four things that it could be. And every one of them, you know, was in this video. We we actually, we'll tell the story a little bit. You picked up a game. This right. was your game. Yeah, I picked up a Marvel Superheroes here locally for about $150, knowing it was playing blind, knowing it had a K7000 chassis. Right. And we picked it up specifically, you know, because it was a good deal. But we thought, why not shoot a video on going ahead and repairing it? And so, you know, we did all of basically all the steps in the video you'll get to see. You get to see that we replaced the fuse and it blew the fuse immediately. So we went to the next step, we replaced the hot, we checked the diodes, and when we did that, we got some exciting side effects, Tim. We won't say exactly <laughs> what it was, but some yeah. exciting side effects. And then we go and re we actually had to replace the flyback, and you get to see mo most of the process. It looks like we're going to do one for the web and then an extended cut where we actually show us replacing the HOD and replacing the flyback. But, you know, if you guys have our other DVDs, you should already have an idea of how to do that. Sure. So, especially DVD Volume 2, which has all that in it. But, guys, these videos are coming out pretty soon. Uh, you know, we're probably going to release them in that order, so you'll see checking potentiometers first. Um, the drilling holes in plexiglass is really cool because we use a step drill bit. Right. Which and we talked about a little bit in the video you'll get to see. And it's kind of like one of those teaching an old dog new tricks. You know, it, we have done it so many times different ways but I was actually encouraged to do this at work like that and when I'd use that tool it really opened my eyes like, wow this is much easier so we actually show how to use it and it's a really inexpensive tool and uh, if you're going to do a lot of that like I know some guys really want to protect their artwork mm -hmm. and things like that sure. so just a great way to do that and, of course, we also have the troubleshooting games that are playing blind. All three of those videos coming up very soon, Tim. Now, before we get into the questions, one more thing. We do have an update on Stan and his Dragon's Lair board fiasco right. shipping stuff coming up. So you guys stay tuned for that. And we're also going to have a great discussion, Tim, at the end of the podcast about game rooms and, and people who run, operate game rooms and kind of some different things on that topic. So you guys stay tuned for that or you can fast forward to the end either way, Tim. Yeah. I don't know. I think people listen for the questions, but maybe they listen for the discussion. So we're going to enter a highly opinionated era. Where we're, I mean, a, a, a section where we're really going to give some opinions on some things. Well, and, and here's another thing that, that we should mention is that about a week from now, Texas Pinball Festival will be coming up, and we'll be right. doing a, spe a special podcast from the Texas Pinball Festival Saturday night sometime. So you guys clear up your Saturday night so you guys can listen. And if you want to hear more of our opinions, we'll definitely be giving a lot of opinions at that time. So you guys, again, Saturday night coming up. Like we said, stay tuned. So You know, Jonathan, we do know some guys that work for Jersey Jack that listen to the podcast. Right. 
So, you know, I'm hearing rumors, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I, if, I'd just like to spread a few of them myself. And, you know, since I do know the game is now in production, maybe we, we might want to mention that, that oh, it's in full production. Really? I'm thinking the Texas Pinball Festival would be a really great place to show it or present it for the first time. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay. You know, so, but uh, it is in production. That's your professional That's opinion? That's my professional opinion. I think it would be a great time. And I know he's going to be there, so I don't know. I'm not, at least it would be good to uh, maybe see some pictures and stuff of a completed game. Yeah, sounds good. So, again, that's just Tim's opinion. Right. <laughs> but I know some of you guys are listening, and Jack, you know, it doesn't cost that much to ship a pinball game. It's cheaper than flying. So, come on. Well, anyway, let's get into the questions, Tim. I think okay. we've gotten off topic enough. Let's go ahead and get into the questions. Now, Tim, we're bringing back the progress updates mainly because last podcast we did all recent questions. Sure. And so we had some people who heard their recent question that they had sent in and sent us back an update on it. So the first one we have is from Noah, and this is concerning his centipede that had solid player lights on it. Right. And we told him to do a couple of things, and he says here, Hello again. You featured my question on episode 26. I had a centipede with solid player lights. I ordered an AR2 repair kit from Bob. It helped. My blank yellow screen was replaced by a yellow screen with light and a little bit darker centipede parts and characters. I was wondering what to do next. The best thing about the point is my error is consistent. What do you suggest I do now? Thanks, Noah. P.S. I checked some of the test points on the PCB. They are all checking out except the plus and minus 22 volts that is around 25-26 range. Will this make any difference? So, Tim, we have Noah here, and I think we had recommended to him to order the AR2 repair kit from Bob. Right. He says he puts it on there, and he can see some parts and some characters, you know, and it's a little darker, you know. He has a yellow screen with a little bit of light, and, you know, he's getting better signs of life, but he's still not there. He's saying his 22 is running a little high. What do you think Noah needs to do now? You think it's a monitor issue? You think it's still the board? You think it's power? What's going on? Well, if his power is good, he should, you know, we... We do the ASAP approach, and we always start at power. Right. And it sounds like it is because he says his test points are checking out, except right. for this one. We'll get to that in a minute. But I really think that he and he rebuilt his AR board, which was good. Sounds like he has a board issue. Okay. Uh, when you see that yellowy centipede screen, I've seen that before. So he probably needs to send that off for repair or try to pick up another board. Okay. Um, it's kind of hard because it's not JAMA. You can't just go stick another board in there. Right. And... Unless it's playing blind, kind of, it could be a monitor issue. Uh, he could watch our video on testing this tube and make right. sure all the colors and stuff are there. Um, but it sounds me more like that he's just still got a board issue. Probably the bad AR, bad voltage. Usually you have a combination of things. Your power supply AR, if they're bad, sending, letting too much voltage through and stuff, a lot of times it damage some chips on the board. And, uh, you know, we don't do a lot of board repair, So, but he, we got some links and stuff from people he could find to do that for him. And then centipedes are pretty easy to fix for those guys that repair them. They don't charge a lot. Right. Now, do you know of any websites that might cover more in-depth centipede board repair? Because I know we have some for, like, Pac-Man and Galaga and some of the other you know, boards. I, there's none that I can think of off, off the top of my head, uh, but some of those links on our site, some of those guys may be willing to pass some information, or you just can look for... He could probably order a set of ROMs or something and, and try that. It, it sounds like it could be. I'd really like to see a picture of it, Noah. If you don't mind sending us a picture, it would be great. 
Um, I don't rem- remember getting a picture of that. Now, you said something about... We'll get to the power in a second. Yeah. So he's running a little high on the power. Do you think this is a cause for alarm? No, it's just the tw- the negative 22 volts. If I remember right, that's the AC volts. And, and he's at 25 to 26. He's not that far out of range. Gotcha. Remember, a lot of times we talk about games, and we always say, um, even games that have 5 and 12 volts. Right. In my opinion, this is definitely opinion, always try to get your 5 volts on on target. If you can get 5 straight on, sometimes your 12 will even be like 10.8 or 10.6. I mean, you want 5 and 12 to be spot on. But like those AC voltages like that, sometimes 16, 18 volts, whatever, they're unregulated. Right. And he definitely is in range. Now, I was working on a pinball game the other day, uh, not too long ago, it was supposed to be 30, and uh, I was reading, like, 75. Okay, right. now that's way out of range, <laughs> you know, a little bit. And that was really rare. But, you know, it was not common for the working one to read 38, even up to 40, somewhere in that range. So that's okay. I don't think he's that far off. Just being a few volts off on an AC, uh-huh. uh, you'll get that just plugging into your wall and sitting there watching it. Sometimes it'll drop, or when your air conditioner comes on or whatever, don't be so concerned with that one. Sounds good. So, no, hopefully answers your question. Like Tim says, he's thinking it's more probably in your main board that's having the issue here. Sounds like your power is okay around the 25, 26 range on that 22-volt line. But, again, probably something with the board. Tim says you might be able to order some ROM chips. But it really depends, like Tim said, on how your screen's looking right now. It could be RAM. It could be ROM. It could be something else. So, you know, if you could send in a picture, we could probably help you a little the bit more. The key word is that yellow screen and every one I've ever seen. Uh, a lot of times it is the AR board, but it it does damage to the main board. I wish I knew more about repairing boards. I'd, I'd give him further information, but most guys don't charge a lot to fix centipede boards anyway, or you can find a working set, usually for under $100. So. Sounds good. So, Noah, hopefully answers your question, and just get back to us. Give us an update if you do end up getting another board or getting this one fixed. Okay, Tim, let's move to our last update. We only had two for this one, and it's from Ryan. And it was concerning the Street Fighter II Championship Edition that he had between the two magnetized guitar amps. You remember right, that? I remember that. And he says, hey, guys, I'm just sending you an update on my Street Fighter II Championship Edition that I magnetized with my guitar amps. Although I haven't gotten a degauss yet because I need to buy a degaussing coil, I did get the monitor back in focus. It turns out that the flyback focus knob is just really particular and had a very precise sweet spot that needed to be dialed in. I was making adjustments and looking around the front to see the change and apparently kept missing the sweet spot on the focus knob. Last week I had my 7 year old son tell me what it looked like and when it looked the best and to my surprise it was dialed in bright and sharp just the way it should be. After degaussing it looked like new. I think I remember Street Fighter 2 being Jonathan's first game and I'm sure that it is the game that got a lot of us in the 80s and 90s kids into the hobby. Although Street Fighter 2 is used as a dividing line between generations of arcade enthusiasts, Pac-Man Galaga people versus Street Fighter 2 NBA Jam people, for instance, I think it really holds up well in any arcade, classic, or modern, and has such a great balanced gameplay to this day that friends of any age will love going head-to-head on it. Sure you can, he says. Ryan from Rapid City, South Dakota. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like Ryan got his game all fixed, so we can ring the bell for that. And, you know, again, he's, I think he makes a good point that Street Fighter 2, to a lot of us, especially, you know, my age, Tim, I know sure. you're a little bit older than I am, but, I mean, my age group, it seems like Street Fighter 2 was the game that we remember going to the arcade and playing, where, like, it's you, you're more the Pac-Man, the Galaga, the classics. And But I think he's right. I think it fits well in any game room, and it's... You know, Tim, we've thrown a lot of parties. We 
we, we've operated a lot of games, and it, there's nothing quite like the thrill of going head-to-head on a fighting game, I'm, whether right. it's Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter. You know, the best games for us that did well on route were always the ones where you had kind of a head-to-head, whether it was a fighter or if it was something like an Area 51, you know, where you have, like, two guys going head-to-head, you know, for score or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And so I think it makes a good point that Street Fighter 2 is a good one. And, yes, it was my first game, Tim, and uh, it, it's still it's still in my collection. If you guys have seen the video uh, that we did, the older video on how to find arcade games, and we filmed the intro, okay, you'll see the Street Fighter 2 in the background. That's okay. my Street Fighter 2 along with my Mortal Kombat 2. You remember filming that's been sure. a while, but so still one of my favorite games. Obviously, I, again, it just you know I don't think it really matters which age group you're into. But Tim, I know that for you, a Street Fighter might be a little undervalued because when you start going to arcade auctions, it seems like they would have ten oh. or fifteen rows just right. a Street Fighter two. But I've noticed, you know, that we always say there's there's new classics, you know, yep, and and even today there's newer games that's coming out or games that you see at auction, and so uh, a good good find if you can get one, definitely. A uh, good one to have in your, like you said, when we have in the game room, we had, had a Mortal Kombat too, and it was just so fun to watch. Like a mom and and child would be fighting each other, or <laughs> husband and wife. Every time I threw a party, somebody was, you know, taken out on somebody over there. Yeah, and you know they're just good to have around. And again, they've always done well for us on route, whether it was X Men versus Street Fighter or if it was Marvel versus Capcom, whatever it was. It just seems like we always had good luck with them on route. So definitely agree with your sentiment sentiment there, Ryan. So hopefully. You know, you'll have many more games in your game collection. We're glad to hear that you got your Street Fighter 2 Championship Edition fixed. Well, Tim, it sounds like we're done with the with all of the updates, so let's go ahead and move on to our website questions. And the first one that we have is from Brian. And Brian says, I have a PC-style power supply like in your checking and replacing a power su- supply video. How do I adjust the voltage? There are no knobs or anything. My tests were 5.04 and 12.23 volts. I am running a Naomi with a Capcom I.O. and an MVS cabinet, and I have been told to turn up the 5-volt line to about 5.13 to keep my game from freezing. Okay, so Tim, he has a PC-style power supply here. Now, it sounds like he's got a very traditional PC-style power supply because right. most of the ones I've seen have at least a 5-volts adjustment on, mm-hmm. the, on the side. He's saying he can't find that anywhere. Yeah. So he has more what probably is a PC power supply. Right. That actually has, you know, right. a, a, you know, it's adjusted to where it's supposed to be and it won't do anything else. So I think in Brian's case here, the only way he's going to be able to get, get it adjusted is if he actually goes out and buys a different power supply that does have the adjustment on it. I don't, I don't there might be a way to adjust it otherwise, Tim. Do you know any way to open it up and maybe make an adjustment? You know, there probably is, but I'm not that smart. I just, <laughs> I, I think the time that it would take to do that, they're not that expensive. Uh, Brian, I would just go ahead and probably go ahead and, and purchase a, a better power supply. Yeah. Plus, you know, I've seen a lot of guys would do that, probably operators and stuff too, because, you know, I mean, you've repaired PCs before. PC guys always have a lot of extra power supplies and stuff right. from old computers or when they we go We can to, check my garage right now. I'm sure I've got like 10 of them out there. Right. <laughs> but but so they, were, they, and they work sometimes, but if you're going to keep the game, and you want it to run, and you want it to reset, why not just because the arcade ones are going to, you know, you're going to have a little bit more wattage probably. Of course, yeah. you could have a higher watt uh, PC power supply, but sure. it just, 
be better to make get one that was made for arcade games. In now, my now something he says here is that he's using it with a Naomi system. And Tim, the Naomi system is just notoriously power hungry because it's kind yes. of PC based. Yeah. You know, and anytime you have these PC based systems with these PC based power supplies, you might, you know, because a lot of our audience might be thinking 5.04 or 12.23 sounds great. You know, I mean, it's within range. I yeah, mean, if it I does. had a power supply doing that, it'd be great. But these power hungry PC based boards, they require maybe just a, a hair more than that to be able to operate without, like you said, without freezing or without resetting. Right, and he's probably measuring it at the Molex right from the power supply. Right. Remember, what technically matters is on the board. Correct. And after it even goes through the edge connection on the board, so it's going to be a little bit less. So Mm -hmm. if you're at 5.1 there, you may technically just be hitting 5. Right. Especially through some of those games and what they go through. So I I, I agree. I think that he just needs to go ahead and get, you can contact HAP. Go to Hap Control website, or what, most most all of our suppliers sell that kind of stuff. Yeah, and again, a resources page on our website has a nice list of parts suppliers that you guys can go there and find whichever one that you need, and hopefully they can hook you up with the power supply that you're looking for. So, Brian, sounds like you're going to have to get a new power supply for this game if you want to be able to tweak it. But, I mean, otherwise, I think you could keep that other power supply around in case you did have another game. should be more than capable of supplying power to pretty much any just regular board-based game, so... Okay, Tim, let's move to Jeremy. Jeremy says, I have a dynamite cop, and when it powers up, I have a thin horizontal line in the middle of the screen. There's about two inches of clear picture showing above the horizontal line, but the picture is upside down. Out of about the eight or so capacitors that I've checked or removed, I've had two 16-volt 220 microfarad that were bad thus far and were C912 and C913. I've checked all the C5XX and C9XX capacitors by this point. Do you think I should continue checking the remaining capacitors, or is it a good guess that I should go ahead, pull out the vertical IC, and replace it as well? Any insight is greatly appreciated. I've learned everything I know about our kids from watching your videos and could really use some advice, but without an ESR meter, it's beginning to become a real big pain in my neck. Thanks. So Tim, we have Jeremy here, and he's got a thin horizontal line, but he's seeing a little bit of picture above that thin horizontal line. He's seeing about two inches worth. And so he's checked some of the capacitors. He's replaced some of them. He's asking, is it just time for me to go ahead and replace the vertical IC? Yeah, he's definitely been watching our videos, and, right. and he knows. And, yeah, Jeremy, you're, you're on the right track. Most of the time what happens is when those capacitors drain, they control kind of like, you know, some people say they're like a battery. They're really not. They're, they allow voltage and stuff to go through, and they're kind of more of a filter. Right. If Think of them that way. And so with the, some filter, you're letting all this dirty power come through, and it's going to damage that IC. Right. So more than likely, he needs to replace that IC. Uh, I don't, I'm like, he did a really good job, those 900 capacitors. Right. Um, you know, and to replace all them in that area. Right. He, he's seen our videos. I can tell by the way he's talking, you know, right. and, and way he's... So, Jeremy, you do a good job. Yes, go ahead and get that IC and replace it. Okay, sounds good. So, sounds like Jeremy needs to go ahead, pull out the vertical IC here, and then replace it, and hopefully that he'll get his dynamite cop back up and running. It doesn't sound like it's going to be too difficult for him, Tim. He doesn't say what kind of monitor he has, which right. would be really good to know, but, I mean, I think it should be not too bad a task. And did we just shoot that on the DVD, or have we released that video where we fixed a vertical collapse? Yeah, it's actually on uh, DVD, DVD Volume 3. T- I volume 3? Three? Three. Okay. I think it was the last video well, on Volume 3. I mean, you know, 
to be honest, you know, we we would love to sell some of them, but at the same time, that's one reason uh, we shot that video on there because that's a very common problem. We do show how to fix that. Yeah. So Jeremy, you can, and of course it's on our YouTube page. That one's actually on the YouTube page okay. as well. So Jeremy, you can check the YouTube page or you can buy our Volume Three DVD. Is it watch just that under video. Troubleshooting Monitors with Michael? Or was I, know, that... I think it's actually Troubleshooting Collapse Issues okay. or Monitor Collapse Issues. I believe is what it's called. So it actually does cover both. And I think we have a picture of uh, you know shows like the difference between horizontal vertical and things like that so it's very informative but check out also check out the post on that Jeremy and hopefully between the t- between the video and the post and everything you'll be able to, to kind of figure out that it's not too bad a process at all so it's pretty cool that we have enough videos out there that I can't really remember <laughs> which one is on or whatever so oh, I know and you think of people who have more than we do and it's like golly I, and it's like you know we've been filming these things over about the past three years Tim and right it, it just they all add up so you know definitely go out there check out that video Jeremy and get back with us if you have any more issues Okay, Tim, let's move to Brian. And Brian just has one sentence. Okay. He says, how do I change my Street Fighter 2 from free play to original so I have sound? Now, Tim, I'm not sure exactly what Brian means here, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a stab at it and say that he, he's talking about how do I change it from free play to coin play so I can have a tracked mode sound. Right. That's how I'm reading it. Now, I don't know if that's correct or not, but it sounds like Brian thinks that the attract mode sound might be attached to his free play. Because he says have sound, you would think that if that were the case, if he was thinking about, like, if it were really the case where he doesn't have any sound in his game, he would have said, my game doesn't have any sound. Yes. But the fact that he, he thinks it's related to the coin play versus the free play makes me think, oh, maybe it's just attract mode sound that he's talking about here. Now, Tim, if that is the case, we'll go ahead and assume that is the case. If that is the case, free play and coin play have nothing to do with the attract mode sound, correct? Right. It'll be two different dip switches he'll need to change. Right. And one of them controls the attract mode on or off, and one of them controls... You know, either the number of coins or the free play option that you have on there as well. And so he might actually have to change three, depending on if, you know, from coin play to free play, and then depending on how many coins he wants the game to take, so he'll have to adjust that one as well. So if that's the case, Brian, what you need to do is actually, you can keep it on free play, and then just switch the attract mode sound on, and you should get the desired effect. Right. Make sure your game is off when you change the dip switches. We shot a video on changing dip switches. And uh, are, John, you're going to include the dip switch or this link to, to him for it in the well, notes. Well, yeah, we'll put something. it in the notes, yeah, so okay. he can see it. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, that's pretty easy to find the dip switches for Street Fighter Two. I don't know yeah. them offhand, but they're they're right. on uh, usually depending on the Street Fighter Two board you have. They they might be on the upper board that they have there, and they have the little dip switches. It's pretty easy to find. If, if you don't, if you have any more issues with that, Brian, just let us know. Or if you need to expand on that, that's fine. Yeah. So, Brian, hopefully that answers your question. And if and if you are actually having problems with sound, let us know that, too. If it's actually not getting any sound, perhaps there's a different issue in here. But if it's a track mode sound, you should be able to change that dip switch and get your problem solved. Okay, Tim, let's move to Roger. Now, Roger says, Hello, I recently bought an older Marvel vs. Capcom 2 arcade unit. And, Tim, the fact that he says older is now nah, making me feel I'm old. Say, I feel because, old. you know, I don't know what he would think a Galaga is comparatively. Right. But, anyway, he says it was working fine when I bought it, but when I got it home, three of the buttons on the one player side don't work, and the joystick on the player two side only goes up. I checked the button connectors, and they are all working fine, so I'm thinking it's in the wires. How would I go about fixing them? This is my first arcade unit, so any help would be greatly appreciated. Thanks. So, Tim, we have Roger. And, you know, he bought a Marvel vs. Capcom 2. It worked fine when he was at the guy's house. Happens all the time. Brought it home. And now his bottom row of buttons, it sounds like, won't work. So, you know, um, what's that? That's uh, probably the kick buttons. Or he says, 
Three of the buttons. He doesn't say exactly which three. Okay. Three of the buttons. We won't, we won't assume. Three of the buttons don't work, and the joystick on the player two side only goes up. So he said he checked all the connectors. Everything looks good there. He's thinking it's the wiring. Tim, what do you think? Yeah, most of the time, when you just have one button not working, it could be, you know, every button has two wires going to it. Right. One is your common, and it's either wired normally open or normally closed. But the common wires inside most fighting games are what we call daisy chained together. Which we show in one of our videos. We sure do. And so when you've got like three that don't work, watch and sit there. So if, in other words, if I've got point A, point B, point C, point D, and B, C, and D don't work, then the problem is between A and B. Right. If, If that's making sense, I know just by me saying it. But so what's happening is somewhere in that line. So yes, you're going to need to make sure that every connection is good. Mm-hmm. Now, one way that you could do is to get a multimeter and put it on continuity check and follow that wire around till you find where you're not getting continuity. Right. And basically, if he just put it on any one of those commons and then went around touching the other common ones, then if he doesn't get the continuity check beep, then more than likely there's a break somewhere in his daisy chain that he needs to check out. All right. If you had to, rewire it. I mean, it's right. really not that complicated. We do show some videos on doing that. I know I'm kind of talking and like, like he knows exactly what we're talking about, and he may not. Right. If you need more help, Roger, uh, just go ahead and email us. But, yeah, you're right. It's probably in your wiring. Now, it could have come out at the harness itself just right. because, uh, especially if he lived in Texas and you hit bumpy roads or something <laughs> or went across the state line to Louisiana, then your whole game could have come diswired <laughs> by the time you got to Shreveport or something. But, anyway... Um, you could have come out on the harness side, which is what plugs into your board. Right. So I would check there just in case those pins happen to come out. But boy, it just seems like those ground wires, when you got three or four that don't work in a row, uh, we shot plenty of videos on this. So if you There's, haven't seen them, maybe yeah. we can d- point them in a little better direction. There's right? actually one on connecting ground wires on a control panel, I believe, that, that yeah. you need to see. That's the one you need to look at. Now, it could it could be possible, like Tim said, something came loose from the harness. Depending, this is a Marvel vs. Capcom 2, which means it could have that Capcom... Kick harness. Well, it could have the Capcom I.O. board, which supports right. the CPS-2 kick harness. And it could be that... See, and when he said that, I believe that CPS-2 kick harness has all the kick buttons for Player 1 on it. Right. I'm not for sure. That, but if yeah. that's the case, that kick harness could have come loose from from that I.O. board, and he might need to just plug that in better. That's right. So you have a separate little harness that goes over. Check that little harness, too, right. and make sure... Or do internet research for a kick harness, and maybe you'll see some of that. I don't know if we showed a video. Yeah, we one of our videos we talked about a kick we harness. We talk about it in t- in our both of our JAMA videos. Okay. But I, we what we really need to do is shoot a video on just wiring a kick harness because I think there's a lot of people out there that still don't get the concept of the kick harness. The, the the reason the kick harness exists is because we can't get all the buttons that we need for especially fighting games on the main JAMA harness itself because right. a lot of them use six buttons. And so what the manufacturers did was they actually came up with a kick harness. And the problem is, Tim, is every manufacturer uses a different kick harness. Namco uses a different one. Capcom uh, uses a different one. And uh, they use different ones between boards. So CPS-1 is different from CPS-2 and things. And so they're all different kick harnesses. But I still tend to lean more towards what you said, mainly because I don't think that the directional the directions are held on that kick harness for Player 2. 
Right, because he also said he had a joystick issue. Correct. And so I tend to lean more towards a grounding issue here right. because of that. Now, he still needs to check to make sure his, his kick harness is plugged in well, but I, I think he might be having a little issue there. Let me try to describe this just for him. I know a lot of guys listen to this already know what we're talking about, but that's okay. On a push button, you'll notice that one of the leads is kind of down there. If you were seeing Sesame Street, right, one of them doesn't look like the other two. <laughs> that guy right there should be your common. It'll right. also say calm in very small print sometimes. That, C-O-M. Yeah, C-O-M. And so he needs to check the wires that are hooked up to there. I think it's a, it's a common wire issue like that. So, but let us know, Roger, and we'll help you any more if we can. Sounds good. So, Roger, hopefully that gives you a better idea of what to check. Congratulations on your first arcade and yeah. older Marvel vs. Capcom oh, 2. Oh, I know days. there's some guys wishing they had a Marvel vs. Capcom 2 for their first I game. I remember we sold one. Remember Man, that? I wish we had it back. I, I know. It's still a good game. But it anyway. made money, too. <laughs> it did. So, Roger, hopefully answers your question. I don't think it's much trouble. You should be able to get this arcade game up and going pretty quick here. So, uh, good luck with that, and keep us updated on your repair. Okay, Tim, let's go to Hijacked. Now, Hijack didn't leave his real name. That's just the first part of his email address, so we'll call him Hijacked. Okay. And Hijacked says, Is it okay to adjust an arcade monitor without the game in it? I p- just put a new chassis, so I wanted to check. Okay, so Tim, I'm trying to adjust the monitor to get a good picture. Is it okay if I don't have my game board in okay. it? Okay. Well... Is it okay? Will it like will it hurt your monitor if, if that's kind of the, what the question is? Right. No. Then Jonathan, what's the first question going to be coming out of my mouth is why? <laughs> okay, because you need the game in it. I, maybe he's got a little fear there that something's going to be wrong and it's going to hurt his board. Right. Or something. Uh, you just got to get past that. Well, you I mean, really need something, and that's one thing we tell everybody: keep a JAMA board. Uh, uh, an old uh, eight-liner board or something around for these type purposes. I know what he's talking about. He's right. kind of got this fear. Oh, man, I don't want to, you know, a new monitor. Maybe I wired something wrong or something. You just kind of have to get over it. It's way better to check when you got a picture to look at. Yeah. You, you don't get a color bar screen or nothing. It's going to be very hard. <laughs> now, he could go through and check the tube like we talked about, but why? Right. Why? We might. Well, now, what he, if he's really worried about voltage, Tim, maybe what he does is he hooks the chassis up and he turns on the game just to see if anything yeah. out now of you ordinary could just, happened. Now, you could see, if you'll get a white screen, you'll get power to your monitor, that won't hurt anything. You right. just won't be able to adjust or anything. You won't see all yeah. the different colors. The whole point of adjustment is to get a better picture for our game board. Sure. You know? And so without a game board in there, it's hard to say that the picture is better or worse. I mean, there might be people out there who can adjust the monitor just by looking at that nice white screen and, you know, like filling the knobs. And if I and if I ever meet that person, mm-hmm. I definitely want him to show him, show me how he does right. it. Because, I mean, that would be awesome. <laughs> but I think in Hijack's case here, you know, he's probably, like you said, probably more scared that something on the chassis might blow up his board, his main board, and he doesn't want that. So maybe the best solution for him here is just to say, okay, well, we'll hook up the chassis, we'll plug in the game. If I don't see any sparking and I don't think anything's wrong, then I'll turn it off, plug up the game board, right. and turn it back on. Now, it should fire up like normal. You should hear it, and you should get some color on the screen, like a white, total white screen or something. Right. It won't hurt. Mm-hmm. And, and if that feels comfortable with that... But I would turn it off, everything off, hook up the board before I, I wouldn't just hook up the board with the monitor going. I'm with you. So Hijacked hopefully answers your question. To answer your question, yes, it is okay to adjust the monitor with the game in. Of course, 
like Tim said, why would you want to? Right. Definitely, if you just want to check power, you can do that. But otherwise, if you're adjusting the monitor, you might want to have a board in there. Just our personal opinion. So hopefully that helps, and good luck with your repairs. Okay, Tim, let's move to Yannick. And Yannick says, Hi, I have an old Pong cocktail game. I think it's from Aztec, he says. And it's, a, it's got a black and white screen. The image is too gray. It's hard to see the pedal, nearly impossible to see the ball. I see a few pots on the chassis with no identification, so I didn't play them before getting some info. Somebody told me my tube is probably near dead, so I, so do you think I just need to hunt for another one? Any advice on one or two things to check before? Thanks. So Tim, we have Yannick here, and he's got an old Pong cocktail, and it sounds like he's having some issues with just being able to see anything on the screen. Now, the key here, though, is that that's a black and white. Right. It's a black and white monitor. Right. It does sound like it's playing, though. Yeah. And he can kind of see it. Right. So he asks if there's any, a couple things he could check. Well, I would check the brightness. Right. And, and I'll be honest, most of those knobs are just some kind of adjustment knobs. I don't think they're going to hurt. He should probably contact uh, John at, uh, what is his website? Flippers.com. Flippers.com. Yeah. He's very good at black and white monitors. He might can tell him. He can do a cap kit on one. Right. You just, a lot of times they don't sell one. It may be time for a tube, and um, you can, a, a lot of black and white monitors, you can use old TV tubes and stuff like that. But uh, he probably needs to contact John at Flippers.com. A little bit more of his era of game might help him and he might if he shows him a picture of it he could probably tell him exactly which knobs are what right so you're thinking here probably go for the adjustments and if the adjustments just don't work for him try the cap kit but probably need to go hunting for it too if i had just picked up this game day i'd be turning the heck out of all of them it really wouldn't bother <laughs> me i'm not right. I, I would just you don't have much to lose if you're not getting a very good picture sounds like that he needs to turn the brightness up on some you know if and guys who are old as me remember I remember black and white TVs. Right. And you had to adjust them at home. They all had the knobs in the front of the TV. I remember TV. contrast, brightness. And you yeah. literally had to tweak them quite a bit. Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't be surprising me if he couldn't. I would at least try it first. Worst case scenario, he destroys his... Somehow <laughs> turns the some kind of voltage up crazy, and her, he doesn't have a very good picture now anyway. That's right. That's my opinion. Just do it. You know, try it, and then I would check that first before I would go and replace it. Okay, sounds good. So you got to hopefully answer your question. Probably need to look for some adjustments on this monitor to see if you can get it adjusted. You know, at least the brightness and the contrast. And if not, then it might be time to maybe hunt for another tube or try a cap kit at that point. And you also might get in contact with John at Flippers.com for more information. So hopefully that answers your question. Good luck with your Pong cocktail game. Okay, Tim, let's move to Alan. And Alan says, I have bought a Virtual Fighter arcade game, and when I plug it in, I can play for about 5 to 10 minutes before the screen starts blacking out. It'll go almost to black, but you can almost see the images still moving and the sound still works. Any suggestions? Thanks. So Tim, we have Alan. Got uh -huh. a Virtua Fighter. And it plays fine for the first 5 to 10 minutes and then boink and gone. Okay. And so what's happening with his monitor? Of course, uh, something we should mention here is Virtua Fighter is a medium resolution game. And so okay. it has a medium resolution monitor for those of you who know what that is. Uh, not that it's going to probably affect the way that we troubleshoot this at all but just right. to make that point so what do you think alan needs to do as far as getting this fixed what do you think the problem is with alan's game well you know if it looks pretty good right. from the beginning i would tend to think that it's flyback and everything normally when flybacks and stuff like that are bad they're just bad and right. they go bad we we 
if you watch our next video, you'll see one, right? <laughs> right. You'll see smoke, where there's smoke, there's fire, that kind of thing. What it really sounds to me is like the power supply section, or there's B-plus voltage in that area, right. is failing, and those caps and stuff. So he really should do a cap kit on it. Okay. I think that that would help. Because I, I could probably say narrow it down, but why not? You got it out. Go ahead and let's just do a full cap kit on it and go from there and see. Now, it may be possible, you know, it could be, if, I guess, if I just, from my experience, seems like that that's what it sounds now, like. Now, you know, uh, you mentioned the B-plus voltage. This is something that's kind of common when the B-plus voltage is set a little too high as well, isn't could it? Be. That to where it'll work for a while and then it'll go out. Mm -hmm. So if he has that adjustment on his monitor, should he take a look at that? Would that be sure. something you think so? I think so, but I, I just know... We had a game kind of like this at Chuck E. Cheese. You know, every it, it actually worked for more than five or ten minutes. It may work for for five or ten hours. Every night they would uh, down the game. Every morning I'd turn it on and it looked great. And I'm like, what's wrong with this thing? Right. And it was those filter caps in there, a little bitty hundred microfarad one actually. And uh, if you you know everybody's always like, where's the power supply section? It's going to be around that flyback and that hot and right. that area. So you might check those capacitors there if you have a, a capacitor checker or something, but it's usually those little bitty filters too, but I would do a cap kit on it and go from there. Sounds good. So, Alan, hopefully answers answered your question. Might want to go ahead and try a cap kit on this. It sounds like Tim said something's failing in your power supply section. And so it's probably about time to try a cap kit, see if it affects, see if it plays a little bit longer. Hopefully that will that will work. If not, might need to look at a flyback. So Yeah, normally a flyback's just... They start going bad. They start hissing. They have cracks in them. They, they, you know, making some kind of electric shocking sound, something there. <laughs> but, but it could be. So we're, we're gonna. I would definitely try the cap kit first. Sounds good. So Alan, hopefully that answers your question. And good luck getting your virtual fighter working. Okay, Tim. Let's move to John Paul. And John Paul says, glad I found the site. I've been going nuts. Oh, well, he'll fit right in. Good here, then. <laughs> there you go. I've got a Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr. game, and the sound has become a little erratic. It plays fine, then turns into a squelcher moan or some other odd sound. If I unplug it and plug it back in, it seems to be okay, but I always end up, it always ends up returning. I am a complete electronic disaster, so I'm nervous to do the repairs. Okay, well, that's... A complete electronics disaster. <laughs> Like well, you know, I don't I don't know exactly what complete is, but I guess like well, absolutely. I was pretty close when I first started, <laughs> and uh, you, you know the Nintendo monitors have the separate little soundboard, correct? And he needs to, I mean, to do a little kit, cap the kit. But you know kit. what? For a new guy, that'd be one of the greatest things to try because you don't have to pull the whole chassis out. Right. He just needs to pull the little board that's up there with his chassis that has the sound volume knob on it. Right. So you turn his game off, unplug it, you take out a couple screws, take that out. Super great practice. It'll be a lot easier to replace it. So you might contact Mike's Arcade, tell him, you, tell him your issue what we've recommended that you need the little sound amplifier rebuild kit. Rebuild kit. Yeah, I think it's what it is, yeah. And, you know, be great practice. Um, you're not going to hurt a lot if you don't do something right. I think you can buy a whole new one if you need to, Yeah, too. possibly. So if he, if, I mean, if you try it and it You can work. buy a new one, repair yours, and sell yours as you're working or something. You, you know, I, I would even recommend that. So, um, that he needs to do that, and I think that will help him. And uh, good luck. To, don't be nervous. You know, just you got to get in there. Um, you know, I started my son off some when he was first learning. Give buy an old VCR at a garage sale and practice on it, unsoldering, soldering, things like that. 
Um, you know, if you want, if you love them, play the game. You got to get past it a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. So, John Paul, hopefully answers your question. Sounds like you do need a soundboard rebuild kit for this, mm-hmm. and if you should be able to get that, like Tim said, at Mike's Arcade, and you get that, hopefully you can you can do that pretty easily. It's not gonna you know uh, it's not gonna be too much of a task for you. Right. It's not too hard, I don't think. And so. I'm saying that assuming that is a Nintendo Sanyo Easy monitor. Right. If you're not sure if it is, go to Bob Roberts' site, look up Easy Monitor uh, or Sanyo Monitor, and see if that looks like yours. If not, send us a picture and we'll try to help you from there. Sounds good. So, John Paul, hopefully answers your question and good luck with this repair, and hopefully you can get your Donkey Kong up and running. Okay, Tim, let's move to Dean. Now, Dean says, Hello, Jonathan. I've switched my 1979 Galaxian Midway on. It was working a couple months ago. However, the screen is now blank, but the game can be heard working. I don't have much experience. Should I try a cap kit? Many thanks. Dean from the UK. So we have Dean from the United Kingdom here. He's got 1979 Galaxian. And he's getting the playing blind, Tim, that we're having the video coming up on You are in luck, man. (laughs) Because anything that could cause that, we show in the next coming video. So really, I'm not going to go into a lot of details, but... There is. Now here's the thing: you should probably check because it's going to be probably at least a month or two before that video. Okay. Well, first thing you're going to check is the fuse on the monitor, right? And make sure replace that fuse. If it blows the fuse, check the hot. If you're not sure what the hot is, it's on DVD volume two. two. We show that in in pretty good detail. Exactly what I'm talking about here too. Uh, if it's that, then you got a flyback, and you can also check. We did a video on checking the diodes. So um, most of the time, I, I really want to throw this out there. When you got a video that's playing blind, um, you know you. We'll give everybody example. Don't be afraid of it because we fix your doing all of that. Probably total work time was about thirty minutes. Now we took a little longer because we're shooting a video right. and setting up, and you know. Well, all that and, kind and of another stuff. thing is we didn't have an extra flyback around, so we had to actually desolder one off of a parts chassis that we had, right. and then do that. So that took a little bit more now, time. If we now, had those parts, it would have been a lot de- faster. Depending on your monitor, Bob Roberts sells a power kit. Right now, sometimes too, I tell people it might just be the hot. But if your hot went out, it won't be long. Your flyback is now 30 years old. Right. So why not you want to just get a little power kit from him and replace everything right in there? You can do this project in about 30 minutes, 30, 45, at tops an hour if you're really new and you just you know need some practice on your soldering. So uh, I would highly recommend that you get with Bob, tell him what kind of monitor you have, or show him a picture, tell him that it's playing blind and you need a power rebuild kit for it. And he'll sell you one at a real reasonable price, and then it'll be like new after that. Or you might do a cap kit while you're in there. Right. Now, the thing to remember, Tim, is that if it blows the fuse, it seems like if it blows the fuse a lot of times, then that is something with the hot and things like that. But if it doesn't blow the fuse, a lot of times that could be a problem around your B-plus voltage, like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. You know? And it, it's, it really centers around how that fu- you know, kind of what happens to that fuse. He said, should I try a cap kit? And and that's it, it's a good question because... My my deal with cap kits are they're just cheap and easy and a, a great practice for other repairs. Right. To, because yes, it could be a, a fil- that one of those little filter caps are pro- problem in. But I'd like to know: is it blowing the fuse? Right. So if it's blowing the fuse, you, you better start looking at your hot and your flyback in those areas. If it's not, 
then it probably is a filter cap or something in there. Um, Resistor or something There's a very few, or one of those diodes, very few other things that it could be. Look for burn traces and problem areas like that. But anyway, good luck with it, Dean, and let us know. Definitely look for this video that we got coming out. It's going to be showing your problem. Sounds good. So, Dean, hopefully answers your question. Sounds like you need to start, like Tim said, with the, the fuse, the height, the diodes, and the flyback, and, and see how that goes. You know, you, should, you can certainly try a cap kit. Might not fix the problem, but like Tim said, good practice, especially if you haven't had a lot of practice with soldering and desoldering. So you might give it a go. But anyway, Dean, hopefully that answers your question, and good luck with your repair. And Tim, we should mention Dean's from the UK. Always good to hear from international yeah. listeners. So, uh, you know, good luck out there in the UK. Yeah, I don't know if Bob Roberts cross ships to the UK. But, uh, I bet he does. I bet his shipping's a little higher, though, I'd imagine. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway. Okay, Tim, well, let's move to Eric. He says, hey, I've got a Mario Dr. Mario arcade setup. Both screens will flash on and off every one second. Kind of looks like it's being degaussed just faster and sharper. Both monitors do this and are synced exactly. The power supply tests fine and the power supply to the main board tests fine as well. If I unplug the main board input, both screens glow with no flashing but no game picture. I'm starting to think the main board is screwed, but your input is greatly appreciated. Thanks. So, Tim, we have Eric here. He's getting a little flashing on his screens. It seems like it's synced and it's, it's I mean, it just happens, you know, every one second just goes poop like that, you know, just a little uh-huh. flash. You know, what could be going on? He says his power supply check's fine and, and, and the power supply to the main board is fine. But he's he's also saying that, you know, he thinks it's the main board and if he unplugs it, there's no flashing. Okay. So that's kind of interesting, too. What yeah, do you think's that, going on? That's a pretty good indicator right there when it's saying... It's like the video signal or something is just... Cutting out. E- either that or, you know, is this a, a Nintendo game with a dual monitor? Is that what it's? I don't like? think it's like a Play Choice 10. I think it might be the Versus cabinet that has the two side-by-side. That's the way I get it. Okay. You know, you've seen them before. They have like the, yeah. little, the little angle bracket kind of right. in between them or whatever no it is. No fun to move, I'm sure. Yeah, no fun to move. I'm okay. with you. So, and, but they're both blipping like that. Um, yeah, I would think so, that it's probably, because if he, if he turns them off, it doesn't do it, unless somebody put a newer monitor in there, or does it have the original, or you got a hundred volts, you said the voltage checks, do you got a hundred going up to your monitors, or 120? Right. You know, because you should only get, be getting a hundred volts to those, if they're original monitors. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you there, Tim. That's that's exactly correct. You know, a lot of people don't realize that on on those Nintendo cabinets, and that's why we shot the video on working with Nintendo cabinets. Was right. that that hundred volts? You have to be careful about tapping into that a lot of times because you know you just don't know if you put another monitor in it. You have to make sure that you get a different isolation transformer that actually has 120 coming out of it versus the hundred. And so there's a lot of things to think about. So you, another thing I'd like to know is um, if he unplugged one monitor at a time, would it do it? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, if they, if it still does it, then we've really narrowed it down to the yeah. board. But otherwise, we might have some sort of power issue on it, right. it would sound like. So that's a very good point, Tim. That might be the next thing for Eric to try in his troubleshooting is to go ahead and try to unplug power from one of the monitors to see if at least he still gets you know a good a good screen on the one monitor that he's got. So I'm with you there. So Eric, that might be a good place to to check. You know, Tim, though, this just doesn't seem like a main board issue to me. I don't, I don't know. I, I, you know, may, I, or it sounds more like power. Like, whenever I think, when I think about yeah. this, it seems like the whole game's just coming down for a second and coming back up. Yeah. And the fact that it's doing that just makes me think power. Make sure that you're getting 100 volts and not too much 
or too little up there. Another thing is that you would think that if it was the board, the board would almost reset. And he doesn't really say that the board is resetting. Like if right. it was if it was a power issue. I mean, it could be that the that the um, that the, you know uh, the display, you know, whatever's displaying on the screen from the board is cutting out every so often or every second. But that, I don't know. It just doesn't. Another seem good like that's question would be: unplug both monitors and does it play blind? Yeah. So, you know, in other words, only when you hook up the monitors is the video part of your board bad, or the monitors. Well, a, this is a good question. I is. really like it, Eric. Stay in touch with us. Fight through it and, and, and maybe teach us something. You know, let's learn through this one together. Well, I think he needs to try some of the things that we talked about troubleshooting. Maybe get back to us with, with those results and see what happens. So, Eric, hopefully that at least gives you some ideas of how to keep troubleshooting this game. Like Tim said, might unplug one of the monitors and see if it continues. Might unplug both to see if it continues. Get back with us. You know, get back to us with the results. Maybe we can help you out a little bit further with that troubleshooting. Okay, Tim, let's move to Kim. Now, Kim says, my Donkey Kong game doesn't have a good picture. It has white lines running vertical, and the color isn't very bright. What can my problem be, Kim? Now, Tim, I don't know about you, but it sounds like to me there's just some adjustments that need to be made. Yeah, well, let me just say this. You know, the game is now 30 years old, right? Yeah, it's probably been moved My picture looked a lot better 30 years ago, too. (laughs) Don't don't feel bad about it. Uh, But the white lines vertical... You could have the brightness up too high, right? So you need to watch our video on on adjustments, and if none of those adjustments are working or helping, then it probably is time for a cap kit, Kim. And you and we've shown plenty of videos and talk about that a lot. So if we can help you any further, let us let us know. But uh, it definitely sounds like you need some adjustments. And I'm with you, Tim. So, Kim, it really sounds like you need to do some adjustments to this monitor. And, again, watch our video on adjusting our arcade monitor. should help you out quite a bit. But try that out. And if you can't get the picture any better, let us know. We'll help you out further. Okay, Tim, let's move to Paul. Now, Paul says, okay, this will sound dumb, I'm sure, but I'm a noob. I just picked up a Golden T2K. Oh, does he want to say he, something? Has he been listening to the questions on our other podcast? <laughs> There's no dumb question. We take everything. That's so right. Don't we'll feel take bad. And some of my answers are dumb, so don't feel, <laughs> bad. Don't feel bad at all. Well, anyway, Paul says, I just picked up a Golden T2K. When I turn the game on, I get sound but no picture at all. I'm not sure if it's the tube or what. I checked to see if power was getting up to the boards, and it was. What is my next step? There are two LEDs on the power board. They're both blinking. Is that good? Also, when I plug the game in, I hear ticking in the back. Is that normal? Lastly, I see a fan of metal box that is not powering on. I would assume this should be on. Maybe it's my main culprit there. Anyway, I stumbled onto your great site and thought I asked. Thanks. So, Tim, we're stumbling. Well, that's all right. We stumble through the site. That's right. Uh, we stumble through these podcasts. Yeah, we do. But anyway, Paul has a great, great questions here. I, I, let's take them one at a time here. Um, he, the first thing he asks is, you know, he's, what's my next step after I check the board? And he goes on to say there are two power LEDs on the board. They are both blinking. And he also says that he's getting sound. Okay? So first off, or he says he's getting sound. So, Tim, he's getting sound. Sounds, sounds like, like his he's board, playing blind. Yeah, it sounds like his board is okay. So what is his next step at this point? Well, he, he asks, is it the two? Well, are you getting power or net glow? You know, with the lights out, do you see some glow back there? Right. Um, it sounds like you could. You definitely have what we're gonna, what we shot a video for, one playing blind. Right. So you check the fuses. Probably the hot that ticking sound. Uh, you know, uh, very not, familiar with the ticking sound. Yeah, there are not very many things in this life that are ticking that are good news. <laughs> right. 
Some guy comes strapped to his, uh, has something strapped to his chest and is ticking. You run, right? <laughs> right. You, you go out a, a, you know, a rattlesnake kind of gets some noise before he strikes. So this ticking could be uh, either the power supply section. Sometimes you have bad caps and those will make those ticks, or it could be your flyback fixing to go. Uh, so be careful in there. But but by sure, um, maybe some of the other advice we've given today about games playing blind in the video that we're going to show real soon, uh, be sure and watch those. Yeah. Uh, and, and it, it says he's starting to think the main board is screwed. I doubt it. If you could play, put a coin in, or if it's on free play, see if you said you have sound. So if you can play the game, technically you won't see it. Right. But if you could start, he's got a golden tee, and you hear it say all the stuff, and you... Move the trackball, and it sounds like it's playing. It's probably not your main board. Right. And so, I'm with you, too. Now, especially not with the ticking going on. Right. And we've already talked a lot about playing blind today, and okay. we're going to have that video coming up, so we're not going to cover that as much. But he says, lastly, there is a fan in the metal box that is not powering on. I assume mm. this should be on. Maybe that's my main culprit there. It so sounds like his power supply fan is bad. Exactly the thing that I was thinking, Tim. Now, that could mean that his power supply is giving out inconsistent voltage, but a lot of times that fan will just go out. I mean, yeah. just over the years. If your voltage is okay, what I would recommend is go down to any PC repair place and get them to sell you or, or ask them will they fix that for if you want I would do it myself right but go they'll sell you a fan that'll fit there probably or work right and take it up there with you and most good repair guys there would be glad to help you with that right but if your voltages are off you might as well get another power supply I'm with you so it's in, in this particular case, it sounds like his game is working. So his voltages might be okay, but probably what he needs to do is check that with a multimeter just to be sure. But probably not the main culprit, like he said. Probably not the main culprit. Really sounds like the main culprit here, Paul, is going to be your monitor chassis. And so that, that's what we recommend checking. Check your monitor chassis. The ticking, like Tim said, could be a cap, could be a flyback. Time to do a cap kit. Time to do, replace the flyback and see if it gets any better. That's my personal opinion. So anyway, Paul, hopefully that answers your question. And good luck with getting that repaired. Uh, again, if you have any other questions, let us know. Okay, so let's move on to Salone. And Salone says, Hello, we have a San Francisco Rush the Rock arcade game and it just started having problems. The video started having lines in it and color issues. We were told it was probably about time for a cap kit. I just got back and yes, the monitor seems good again, but it also started to cut out every once in a while. The game would just power off and restart. Last night when I reinstalled the video board, I played one round and it seemed fine, but then it started cutting off faster and faster. It'd go a little into the game and then restart, and finally it starts, and then instantly restarts. The first thing that comes to mind is the power supply. Do you have any ideas? Yes. Uh, we had a Russia Rock at Chuck E. Cheese. You know, it was, uh, remember that green green game? I think it was the Alcatraz edition. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I had to tweak that power supply all the time. Also, the edge connector, sometimes I would reconnect that. Finally, I got so tired of tweaking it, I bought another power supply. Right. It, even though it would read okay, I don't, I, you know, you don't always read, you read volts, but you don't always get the amp readings. Right. So eventually when I replaced, I would fiddle with it, they would down it, I'd come in the next day, do my little tweaking, it'd be back up. It seemed like the only time it worked was when I was there. Yeah. Eventually, I put the new power supply in, not a problem after that. So I do think it's a power supply issue. If it, For home use, you might tweak it and, and try that. Like we said earlier, um, you might turn it up a little higher because by the time it gets to the board or where it needs to go, it's one of those games, too, you know, that just can run a little bit, a little higher. 5.05 to 5.1, I think you're pretty good there. Just 
turn it up a little bit more on that 5 volts line. And if it's still resetting, remember we talked about this a lot in podcasts, resetting issues always red flag check power supply and along with our nice acronym that you know we got from you know the hag you know always start a power asap and that's a the good good advice in this time too i think tim for salone here is to go ahead start a power and you know see if you can tweak it a little bit you know maybe turn up it just a hair and see if it gets any better and if it does might just be time to buy a whole new power supply so probably salone hopefully it answers your question make sure that you get a power supply tell hap the that game yes you don't just try any old power supply or get a computer power supply Get one that is really easy to install and will work in that game good. Sounds good. So, Salon, hopefully it answers your question. Sounds like you're getting a a power supply issue here. Probably need to get a new one or try to adjust the one you have. See if it makes any better and let us know if you have any more questions. Okay, Tim, let's move to Luigi. They got a good video game name right there. That's always good. He said, I just recently acquired a Pac-Man machine. When I went to pick it up, it powered up in the dude's garage and looked and played great. He was totally honest and told me that the reason he was getting rid of it was because sometimes the screen would just cut out in the middle of the game. He could still hear the game functioning, and he told me that he had this problem before, so to ratify it, he had the mod to replace, only to find that the problem persisted as if nothing had been fixed. When he got it home, sure enough, no screen. Blank. Not a flash at power-up or anything. Just darkness. I was curious if, I, if it was a power supply issue, as the two miners exhibit the same behavior seems odd to me. My next thought was power. Thank you for... And loving the site. P.S. Very interested in a switching power supply install video. <laughs> I would imagine so here, Tim. Yeah. Now, now, Tim, it sounds like it plays great for a while, and then it just cuts out. Now, when he got it to his house, it was just it just cut out. Right. But it, it plays for a while and then cuts out. You can still hear the game. You can still hear the game when it cuts right. out. That's something that's key, I think, here. But they tried a new monitor, and it's still having the exact same issue. So so what's causing the video to drop? Obviously, at this point, we're either thinking power supply or board. Right. So so what needs to happen here? What does Luigi need to do to get his game up and working 100%? Well, he definitely, definitely needs to read it with his meter and see what he's reading definitely. when it's not working. Well, and a, another thing, Tim, is that we have to remember that Pac-Man and some of these older games use AC power to convert to DC power on the board. They actually have a regulator regulators on the board that convert the AC coming from the transformer to DC power. Right. And so a lot of times that con- that conversion circuit on that board has little issues. Sure. Which is why we put switching power supplies in them and why we recommend people put switching power supplies in them is so we can get a more consistent 5 volt, 12 volt line. And so it could be in this particular case that he's having a problem with that section of his board and actually regulating that AC power for him could be having an issue there. Um, the thing about it is, is that if he's having a problem with his transformer, I guess he could get another one. But Tim, at this point, it's probably just better that he puts a switching power supply in there, correct? Sure. And so, I mean, that's just my personal opinion. I think that that's probably the case. Now, Tim, could it be a board issue? And if it is a board issue, what would he need to look for? Well, I don't know that it is a board issue. Because of the fact that he hears it playing, and it's playing blind. Right. That's bugging me, but if the video output on the board is... He really probably needs to have it tested or find somebody to send it to or something just to test it. See if there's anything wrong with and it. I don't remember seeing anything on the Lawnmower Man Pac-Man page about this, but you mm-hmm. might still take a look at yeah, it. Yeah, we'll include a link maybe there. The Lawnmower, Lou search on Lawnmower Man Pac-Man, Pac-Man Repair, Repair and yeah. it'll come up. Um, we'll put a link to maybe. it. Maybe. Yeah. yeah, there's so much information on Pac-Man. There's they're fun to work on because there's just a ton of information about them. Right. Um, just from what he's saying, though, he said, and the guy said that it would play and then stop. Right. So, 
if and you've tried a different monitor i'm just i'm rethinking this in my mind it sounds like it's got to be something in the board failing i'm thinking the exact same thing or like i said maybe power or his power right and and getting a switcher definitely could help those areas of his board where his power is failing then it's not producing the video signal and we don't want to discard the fact to try the wiring to the monitor yes Definitely. Make sure that that's not coming loose or you're getting a bad connection Correct. every once in a while. So I would be reading the meter all the way up to the board and make sure that my wiring is okay. That's a good point too, Tim. And definitely something he needs to check out. So Or reconnect or whatever. Luigi, you know? we're also thinking board or power supply issue, more leaning towards probably board issue. But things to definitely check would be your power supply as well as your monitor chassis and, and harness to make sure that you're getting a good signal up to your board. Those are kind of two secondary things, though. Really sounds like this is more of a board issue, Tim. If I had to, you know, I'd say, you know, maybe 60-40, 60% board issue, 40% something else kind of thing. I'm just wondering, though, with it playing sometimes and sometimes not, really check those wires going up there, too. We want to make sure in your, and your harness, yeah. notorious, if you pull that harness, you got some burn spots and stuff, notorious problems with the old Pac-Man And that's harness. why we have the Pac-Man kit, kits that you can get that actually right. clean that up a little bit. You might need one of those as well, Luigi. But I think I think we gave him some good things to think about, Tim. Hopefully he can try some of the things that we mentioned and get his game working. It does, like we said, board, maybe, power supply, possibly, and wiring is going to be a big thing to check. So, Luigi, check those things. Let us know if you have any more issues, and hopefully you can get your Pac-Man up and working 100% soon. Okay, Tim, let's move to Dean. Now, this is a different Dean than we had earlier. And he says, hello, I have a Mortal Kombat 2 arcade game, and here is the history. Number one, I bought the game from a game store repair house two years ago. Number two, everything worked great from the first day, but did notice that the ROM card was red. And he says UJ18, that's one of the ROMs on the board. Okay. During ROM test. The place went out of business so fast that by the time I called, it was too late to have them check it out. But the game worked fine. I never did anything about UJ18, which is the ROM that was on his board. Now, two years later, number three, I'm getting no sound, not even on startup. The game itself works fine. I found the operations menu online and did the sound test. When I do, I get no tone. IRQ detect is functional. Also, I checked the speaker pins at L and 10 on the JAMA connector and the 12 volt DC on pins F and 6. I checked the interboard and checked the negative 5. Everything is good. I also checked the voltages on the power supply and all the voltages are good. Number four, I bought a sound card. When I installed it, it didn't help. I took both sound cards to an arcade shop that was helpful enough to test them for me, and both sound cards worked perfectly. Okay. Number five. A few days passed by, and I started working on the game again, and I noticed the screen was darker. I wiggled all the wire bundles around, but can't seem to pinpoint a problem area. Usually the screen is bright and good, but sometimes it gets dark to very dark, but usually goes back bright. Now I started to check some of the other things and noticed that the four buttons on the coin door don't work. The volume, service credit, test, etc. They used to work. The volume buttons were working even though there was no sound, and now they are intermittent. I wiggle the wires lightly, but it doesn't help. Sometimes I get buttons working, but I don't think it, that wiggling is helping this. It's just a coincidence because I can't do it twice in the same spot. Sorry for the long story. Can you help? P1 through P3 are working fine. Voltages are correct. Ribbon cable is verified good. P4 has 5 volts. Voltages on JAMA are good. So, Tim, we have... We have Dean here, and it sounds like he had a problem with one of his ROM chips from the get-go. 
Mm-hmm. So he was having a problem with his UJ-18, or at least the test that came up was telling him he was having a problem with UJ-18. Right. So that was one of the things. Now, he never got that fixed, but he said the game worked fine, so I didn't worry about okay. it. So well, that trust, trust the test. That's right. <laughs> I would replace it. Right. But, and then ahead. he went on, and now he's not getting sound. And the thing is, is as a lot of people might know, that Mortal Kombat 2 actually has a separate breakout soundboard. And right. he's tried two different ones, and they don't work in his game. But when he connects them to another Mortal Kombat 2 board, they work fine. So that's mm-hmm. something to keep in mind. And now the screen is going darker and lighter, darker and lighter on him, kind of intermittently. So he's having all these kind of problems kind of piling on top of one another. Tim, let's take the first problem first, though, sound. Okay, now he says the ribbon cable's working, he's getting voltage everywhere, you know, but he's still not getting sound. It sounds like there's something on his main board that's having some problems kind of interpreting the stuff to get to the soundboard for some reason. Right. And so, you know, what do you think's going on? That there? would be one th- I was I was really thinking ribbon cables at first because right. they interconnected the way the boards interconnect. Right. You know, he had a place that he could test his soundboard. Did he take his main board with him? Yeah, that's a good point. He might need to take both his main board and the sound card to see if he can it, replicate it in the other in game. A, or in another person's game. Right. I think that it could be somewhere in the way they connect together. But he says that they're verified testing, but I would like to know how he verified that. It sounds like he just took the sound cards. It doesn't sound like he right. took the main board, too. The next thing that I would be concerned about would be the wiring. Yeah. So, you know, in the wires going up to the potentiometer, because he also gives a clue when he says none of the, the, the won't go into test mode and all. Most of those are daisy chain with the common wire. You need to find and retrace all those wires back to the jammer harness. Check for continuity. It also has a plus or minus coming out of there for the speakers. Right. Um, have you ever considered, you know, we never want to discount the fact that speakers do go bad. Right. You can ohm out a speaker and see how many ohms it is and and look at that to make sure your speaker is good. Right. I, I, you know, it sounds silly sometimes, but I've seen them go bad. And I thought, how where'd, where'd my sound go? It ended up being a, a speaker. Right. And that would be something easy to uh, eliminate. Now, Tim, we've mentioned before on some of the different games that sometimes not getting the negative 5 volts will sometimes cause an issue with sound. I can't remember if this is the case with Mortal Kombat or not, but I know it is on another Midway game, NBA Jam. Okay. That you have this problem sometimes if you don't run the negative 5 for sound. And so I'm wondering if maybe he's not running the negative 5, if the negative 5 is not coming from his power supply to his board, and that's why he's not getting sound. Or bad wire, correct. And I don't know, like I said, if Mortal Kombat's in the same boat as the rest of those. I can't remember either. But but I know NBA Jam is a very similar board set. Not exactly the same, but very similar and has that same issue. So it could be that his negative 5 volts is not getting to the board, and that's why he's not getting sound as well. Again, a lot that's of just gun games use a negative five, like lethal enforcers. Lethal enforcers for sound. They mm-hmm. specifically use those for sound a lot of times, and so that might be another thing that Dean needs to look at. Now, Tim, I think that helps him out a little bit with the sound. Something else we should mention too could have blown the speakers. Could be bad speakers. I mean, it's totally possible. Kind of off the wall. We, we may do a video just on sound sometimes and show the things that you can test. Test your potentiometer, which we did a video on. Going right. to be releasing it soon. Right. So I would check your potentiometer when they they can go bad. Right. That could be part of the problem. 
Now, uh, he said that his he could turn it up, and I guess he was just getting, like, white noise, because he said yeah. he was turning the volume and it was working. So we're assuming that the potentiometer is probably still working, except for the fact that maybe it's not getting the ground or something at this point, because nothing down there is not working. Check those wires down there. Because of the picture going dark and all that, yeah, I would oh, check Oh, he does say like, he checked the negative five. I didn't, I didn't, I needed to mention that before. I, you know, there's so much in this email. Check for negative five. He did everything check for negative good. five. Everything was good. So, I mean, he did check for negative five, so, I mean, that's okay, I, then, too. Then... Then he really needs to check his main board and see what's and make sure. Take it to the place where right. he tested those soundboards. I think it's a great, a great suggestion because that way he can say, but, "Is it the cabinet or is it the main board?" You know, I always think real simple, John. Something on that board, main board, has to process the stuff from the soundboard. So, in other words, the soundboard could be working, but it still goes through the main board. Correct. So I would check that out, or now, especially if you could take it somewhere. Yeah, and you also mentioned the UJ18 that he said failed during the ROM test. Why not call up Hobby ROMs and get them to burn you one? Right. You know, I mean, go ahead and replace it. I'm I mean, not that, sure what U18 is either. It, it's the number of the chip on the board. Yeah, but That's I don't know yeah. what that chip controls. It'd be yeah. interesting. That is on his main board. Right. So it could um, be related. Right. For all we know, and I probably should research that a little bit more, but. Uh, he's, did he say he had a manual? He did. He, okay. He's got an operator. Maybe it will tell uh, what that U18. Anyway, this is kind of like one of those deals that that I, I'm pretty anal about that kind of stuff. Right. If it's do that and get mm-hmm. that out of the way, find out what chip that is, and, and just have it replaced. Sounds good. Now, he also mentions that the screen's getting darker and lighter, Tim. It's getting darker and lighter, darker yeah. and lighter. So, I mean, at this point, what could be the problem with his screen? It well, like there might be Well, flyback could be going bad, you yeah. know, or, or the filter and the caps and all that stuff we talked about earlier. Right. Um, so, it may be time for a cap kit, but it, also check the wiring because if it's, getting, it's coming back and going in and out, that just really strange yeah it does sound a lot strange to me too as well tim so you know and uh i think he i, I think here the the biggest thing like you said is is the wiring i, th- I really think that he's got to have to go through maybe even check all of his wiring go into the jammer harness to see what's happening uh the indoor you know volume and stuff not working probably so like check started where i would have told him power right do that power i would say always start at power then go to wiring yeah so hopefully, hopefully that answered your question, Dean. It really sounds like you got some good troubleshooting here, but I think Tim's right. Take the main board and the sound boards over to your friend's house. See if they test well in in that arcade repair shops, Mortal Kombat Two. And if it tests well over there, then we know for a fact we got a wiring issue. We got something wrong with the sure. cabinet. If it doesn't test well over there, then we can narrow it down. We say we got a board issue, and we, right. can, we can start working on the board. But the biggest thing here, Dean, is we still need to narrow it down to where the problem might be. So try that out. Let us know how it goes, and keep us updated on your progress. Definitely want to know what's going on. Okay, Tim, let's move to Amanda. And Amanda says, Hi, I recently bought a Lethal Enforcers Arcade. When I turn it on, the monitor acts sporadic. I have tried to adjust it with the control board. It reaches around to the front of the machine. Occasionally I can get a decent picture, but it doesn't last very long, just a few seconds. While adjusting, I notice that sometimes pressing on the pots will stabilize the picture for a minute. My question is, could the control board be bad? Maybe the pots are worn out. If so, where would I find a replacement? The machine was left outside under a porch for who knows how long. I removed a massive amount of dust, which may have compromised the pots. Any suggestions would be greatly appreciated. P.S. Love the site. So, Tim, we got Amanda here, and it sounds like they've got a Lethal Enforcers Arcade that's having a little problem with some image stabilization, but when I press on those pots, I can get that locked in. That's a key word right there. When you're touching them, you're getting it better. So what you need to do, Amanda, is reflow the solder on the back side of those pots because most of the time when you're putting pressure on them, yeah. it's making a better connection. Correct. 
or the wiring going to that that little control, control board. board. And she's she's right. She asked a question. Maybe the pots are wore out. They could be. And we're going to show a video on how to test those pots and stuff. And could you find a replacement? Well, probably depending on the model. eBay would probably be a great place. Talk to other collectors. We may even have one. So need to figure out what kind of monitor you got. But I would reflow the solder on all the back of my pots. And I would also reconnect the wires with the game off. I would unplug and replug in that board and make sure it's got a good connection. Sounds good. So, Amanda, I'm with Tim here. That sounds exactly like what you need to do. Reflow the solder on the back of that control board and check the wiring going to it. Make sure we're getting good connections all the way around. Yeah. It's, she asked, could it be the dust? Well, probably not the dust, but the air and this, and the humidity and all that stuff could really do some havoc on the back of that solder and, and you know, wearing out over time. So Sounds good. And the connections. So, Amanda, hopefully it answers your question. It sounds like you do need to reflow the solder, do a little work on the control board, wiring, and the solder, and hopefully you can get this game back up and working 100% pretty soon. Okay, Tim, let's move to Ian. And Ian says, hey guys, I recently found your repair videos on YouTube and I appreciate you putting the information out for us amateurs to attempt to fix our machines. I recently helped a friend of mine get a great deal on a 2005 Silver Strike Bowling arcade game. It has one small problem. After you play for about 15 to 30 minutes, the screen starts to get fuzzy and the quality of the graphics continue to degrade if you continue to play it. The game is playable, just this is not ideal. Is there something wrong with it that a cap could would, would fix? Do I only replace the caps on the main chassis board, or do I replace the caps on the board coming out of the CRT tube as well? Is there a different fix for this problem? Thanks for in advance for any help. Best regards, Ian. So, Tim, Ian has a Silver Strike Bowling, or his friend does. It's got a K7500 chassis in it, and, you know, whenever, you know, you leave it on for about 15, 30 minutes, screen starts to get fuzzy. Okay. So what's causing our fuzzy? What can we do about getting the fuzzy screen and, and kind of you know, well, fixing that Well, he's going to try adjust on the flyback to focus a little bit. And if that helps at that time, and then later on it gets kind of fuzzy again, he may have a flyback go, that's starting to go bad. I'm with you. But if um, for sure he needs to do a cap kit on it, and I think that may clear up a lot of his issues. Right. Um, he asks if you should replace the caps on the the neck board. Is that's what I think he's asking. Well, he's uh, saying back, only, of yeah, the CRT, back of the CRT. Neck that board. would normally what we would term the neck board because it comes right off the neck part, the skinny part of the tube. Right. And so yes, and that should come in your kit. In fact, Correct. that you buy should have that. Um, those are a couple ideas that I would definitely do the cap kit first that doesn't solve it, then you probably for sure know, and you definitely should do a cap kit on it now anyway. But that's not that old a game. No, very new, in fact, and very popular. I mean, yeah. especially in bars. It seems like you see Silver Something Strike. got a good deal on it. I'd like to know what the deal was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Silver Strike seem like they're always right next to Golden Tees in, yeah. in the bar. You know, they're like right fun there. Game. So, fun game. So, yeah, I'm with you, though, Tim. It sounds like Ian needs to do a cap kit here. And if the fuzziness just, if he tries to focus it and it still can't get a focus, probably need to also install a flyback as well. So, Ian, hopefully answers your question. You want to replace all the caps that you can find on the board, I think is the main thing, Tim. When you get a cap kit, though, you only get the most common caps that fail a lot of times. You don't get all the caps. Right. You just get the pretty good majority of caps, but only the ones that are really have high failure rates. You don't always get every cap, so that's something right. to keep in mind, too. So, But, Ian, if you order a cap kit for your 7500, which you can get, it should have the caps in there that you need to get it working again. Sure. So, hopefully answers your question, and good luck, and hopefully you get to be playing some Silver Strike Bowling very soon. Okay, Tim, let's move to Chris. 
Chris says, I have a versus Super Mario Brothers arcade game, and it freezes after the first level when I slide down the flag. Do you know what the issue could be? What could be the issue? How do you check the power supply? Thank you, Chris. Okay. So, Tim, we have we have Chris here. has a versus Super Mario Brothers arcade game. And I don't know what kind of power supply it has in it per se. I mean, you know, right. you'd have to look at it to be able to tell you. The way, but, you, the way you check it is he just needs to find out the pinouts right. and go to his edge connector and right. check it right there. No yeah, matter the what amount of power supply you got in there, right. find out what the voltage is supposed to be and see if they're in line. Right. But the, there's a key phrase here. It, it seems like it happens every time at a certain point. Right. Now, when you have power supply issues, a lot of times they're random places or reset, not always at the same, or or at a place where a lot of processing is going on. Now, that may be the point at this point, switching to that next screen. Hey, those fireworks that happen after you go down the flag. That's a big deal, right? (laughs) Right. I'm not an 8-bit programmer, but I know that... uh, so, but it does happen at the same point every time. The voltage is good at that point. He's probably got some kind of board issue with like a logic like chip a or logic chip that's not reading properly. And I wouldn't have any idea what chip, but um, he should be able to maybe you know. And, and here's a, a just a quick troubleshooting thing. Uh, at this point, I would feel the chips and see if any of them are excessively hot. Right. Uh, maybe that would help him. Or maybe we can help one of our guys that do board repairs would, you know, help. He could send it to or something. Sounds good. So, Chris, hopefully that at least gives you a little bit of an, uh, you know, of where to start with your issue. You know, it can be the power supply, but I'm with Tim. Probably more in the board, some sort of logic chip in the board or something causing you some issues. You might have to go through there. You know, a lot of times look for seated chips, too. Make sure that they're pressed down really good, you know. Since it seems like the game's mostly working, you might try that, and hopefully that'll give you some help. But... You know, again, just get back with us. Check the power supply at the harness. Like Tim said, get the pinouts. And if you're having good power and, and, you know, you can't find any chips or anything, get back with us. Let us know. We'll help you out further with the troubleshooting. Okay, Tim, let's go to Joe. Joe says, hey, guys, I found your website through YouTube and watched all your videos, but I still can't figure out what is wrong with my monitor. I've attached a screenshot of my Donkey Kong monitor and wanted to know if you could help diagnose the problem for me. I was also curious if you do repair work and what the cost would be to replace whatever parts you might think may be faulty. Thank you for your time, Joe. Okay, Tim, Tim, so we took a look at Joe's picture, and what do you think's going on? It looks like there's almost bars across the screen. It's got like a little, it looks like a little flare kind of down at the bottom. Yeah. What do you think's going on? What's strange is most of the time when we call jail bars, they're usually going vertical. Right. His are going horizontal. Right. But, you know, Joe, one of the questions I would ask you you know, sometimes we're trying to diagnose something, but what have you done? Right. You know, by by all means, we're going to tell everybody, go start with that cap kit, because it does look like jail bars. Yes. And uh, so try a cap kit, and then let's get back and go from there. Another thing is he asks us, we get a lot of questions about us doing the repairs. Do we do repairs? Yes. The problem is we have enough of our own and local repairs to do. With our full-time jobs, it's hard to do a lot of outside work. So that's that's why we have people that refer, and you can go to our page and see those people that do that kind of work, like Chad and Michael right. and different people that we know. I don't think, but if you haven't done, you know, sometimes don't try so much to look for the answers. Eliminate stuff. If right. you do a cap kit and it still looks that way, then you can say, well, we know it's not a cap. Right. 
But, you know, so get in there, Joe. Get your hands dirty and do a cap kit and then get back with us because it does look like a catastrophe problem. I'm with you, Tim. Probably looks like at least the cap kit, if nothing else, is going to help some of the issues that he's having. And I think that he definitely needs to do the cap kit first. Then let us know where he is. But thank you for the picture because it definitely looks like a cap kit issue just by my first impression. So, uh, Joe, keep keep us informed, though, and uh, we thank you for writing in, though. Definitely. So, good luck with your your repair. Let us know how it's going. Okay, Tim, let's move to Jack. And Jack says, First off, thanks for the great videos and stuff as I am new to working on machines and have just started my own collection. Okay, now to the point. I have a Neo Geo 2-slot machine and it's worked great for the first few weeks I had it without issues. While I was away, my wife said my niece had the coin slot open and was messing around with wires and stuff inside she could reach. My problem is that I get a video RAM error now when I turn on the machine. It does not matter what cartridge I put into the machine. Anything that can help me fix this possible problem would be appreciated, sir. Thank you in advance, Jack. Okay, Okay, so we have Jack, and he's having a RAM error, and his niece got into the wiring. What happened, Tim? (laughs) The first thing that you can do is take a ground wire and solder it to the bottom of your coin door. Then take 12 volts and put it to where the back of the key is. And nobody will touch your coin. Put it on free play. Nobody will touch your corner. I'm kidding. You know, really not sure, but, you know, it sounds like if she got got her hand right there, the board's right there, right? Yep. yep. So it's pretty likely that she probably just check your wire into your power supply. I mean, and it sounds like I doubt that she could have knocked a a video ram air but then again it was the game was on and it sounds like there's some loose pulling wires and stuff um you know it could be that you have a bad board now well and i mean if it's a video ram air you might be able to replace some of the ram chips on the board and get it working again too if it is actually a ram air that you know with her pulling on the machine and stuff you know and and don't knock your knees too hard it could just be in time right exactly you just never know that's not you know we had a guy earlier had a u U18 error, well, it's kind of the same deal. Um, So, you know, you may just need it. But, man, a two-slot Neo board, I mean, we're not talking about a lot of money, though. you can usually get those pretty cheap for the most part. So I would think that it may just be time. Also, you can... You could test it, your board set in another game or somebody else's game if you have access to one to eliminate any wiring issues. If it's doing it in somebody else's game or one of your other cabinets, then you said you're new to collecting. So, you know, if you got one, it won't be long, you'll get another. Make sure it's JAMA <laughs> so you can try your Neo board over over in it. Definitely. And, you know, check the power supply, too. Make sure you're getting power over there. Make sure all the wiring looks like it's intact. You know, anything she might have pulled out, see if you can see if you can maybe, you know, get it back together if you can, back into the harness yeah. or whatever. But, I mean, the, the biggest thing here is, like Tim said, I doubt that she actually pulled out a ram chip, but she could have been pulling on some wires that damaged the ram chip. Could have been very possible yeah, with the power just on. A, or it could have been time. Like Tim yeah. said, you just never know. So you My might thing need is, to replace I hope it. She didn't get hurt, so, you know. Yeah. You might have to replace a RAM chip, or you might even have to replace a, um entire board. But I think, Tim, there is a self-test on that board. I'm not for sure. You know, it's been a while since I've had a Neo Geo. That might actually help you narrow down which chip that is. Yeah. And so, you know, if you're looking for the specific chip, you go might go into, into the test, test mode and, mode see, and see, see if you can find it. So if not, we can we might be able to help you with the most common ones. And everybody knows, I was just joking about the running the 12 volts to the door. 5 volts would probably do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds good. So, Jack, hopefully answers your question. Sounds like you're going to have to do a little bit of work on the wiring in the board to get this one back up and running. But let us know how it's going. Let us know if you need any more help from there. And, Tim, let's go to our last website question from Kenneth. And he says, Hi, nice website you have. Thanks a lot for the useful tips. Anyways, I have an old Rene P. 
Pierre arcade machine where the power supply is broken, so I'm looking for a new one. The power supply is a Hantrex US250, but I can't get this model anywhere. Do you know where I could get a replacement model? Thanks, regards, Kenneth. Okay, now, Tim, I don't know how much you know about the Hantrex US250 power supply. Right. But I, I but would assume power it is a power supply. So I, I don't know if there's a special wiring harness on there or anything like that as far as that goes. But maybe there is. I mean, I don't know. What do you know about it? Do you know anything? I don't know much about it. but I And I don't really know anything about this game. Me neither. Uh, that is Pierre? a pretty rare game. Yeah, I haven't seen too many of them. Um, but when you're talking about, I mean, look, what we need to do is get the pinouts to the game. You don't have to have that same power supply as long unless it has some kind of crazy, you know, 23 volts or something. You right. know, if it's standard 5 and 12, you could put just about any switching power supply in there. You'll just have to rerun some of those wires. And I think that's the thing, Tim. He'll, he'll definitely have to do some rewiring on this. Unless he gets the same power supply, he might have to get a different harness or something like that in order to get it working with a switcher, for instance. And so that's something to keep in mind. But, I mean, for the most part, it should be a pretty standard change-out. Not too bad at all. I mean, you just find where the 5 volts is, 12 volts is, and then just you know wire up the wires from there. So if he does that, he should be fine. But I, I'm with you. I don't know much about the Rene Pierre game even you know really that much about i want to see a picture of it actually i think that would be cool Uh, maybe a post on the facebook or something page just for rare games wow in your collection right yeah i think they're a company out of like maybe france or something like that tim that does like video games and stuff like that you know so i mean you know that might be the the, i mean that's just my i did a little research on it but i don't know if you know if that was it or not so but i mean just might be something there but again you know the hanorex hadn't been around since the 80s not old game. so call hap tell them what you have and see if they have that particular model or see what's cool about calling hap they a lot of times can cross-reference well we don't have that one but we have this one in working there right and i would definitely call call hap controls or email them talk to them sounds good so kenneth hopefully answers your question you know we would just probably replace it with a with a regular switcher but if you want to get the same one you might call up hap see if they've got one that'll be like basically plug and play compatible with that hinterx might that might be a better way to go but again probably need to replace this power supply just need to make sure that you know you do the wiring right and everything when you do it so okay tim let's move to our youtube questions and the first one we have is from show me your fuzzy and this is concerning our install a cap kit video and they say what kind of meter are you using will my multimeter work if so what am i checking volts amps ohms etc so i assume that he's talking about as far as testing a cap Right. So most multimeters will not test the cap. There are exceptions. Yeah, well, you can get a one with a capacitance tester, tester on it, right. but you need to ask, or most of the time it will say with capacitance, and that also will throw it up about another 40 to to $100. But of the multimeters that we've seen, Tim, that test capacitance, not very many of them test them in circuit. Right. You have to take the cap out, right. which is kind of a pain, which leads me to say if you're going to do that... Spend ninety dollars, get an ESR ESR meter, and then it will do it in circuit, which makes that so much easier. Right. I mean, because here's the thing. I mean, if you're going to take the cap out anyway, why not just go ahead and do a cap kit and replace them all, right? Yes. I mean, you know, if you're going to take the cap out, the nice thing about ESR meters, I can go on a board and say bad, good, 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 bad, and then just take the two that are bad and replace them. Right. You know, I don't have to take them all out, which is a big time saver. I mean, if you're going to take the cap out anyway, you're just going to take it out, test it, and then put it back in if it's good. It, it kind of, you know, it kind of almost to me, it almost defeats the purpose because in the time it takes me to test that, 
I can have another cap in that same spot, brand new, ready to go. True. You know, so that's just my personal opinion. But depending on what meter you have, like Tim said, it needs to have a capacitance tester on it. You're not te- you're not testing volts or amps no. or, or ohms or anything like that. None of that. Right. So that's something to keep in mind. You need a capacitance test on your meter. Right. So, you know, show me your fuzzy. Really, if you're interested in that, though, go with an ESR meter, like we were mentioning. Something that allows you to test it in circuit, save you a lot more time. So, again, hopefully answers your question. Your multimeter may work or may not, just depending on if it has that check. Okay, Tim, let's go to Michael Varcade. And again, one of a long time, one of our longtime uh, riders here. And he says, so I want to replace an old school power supply with a newer one. The game is a shuffleboard and has the second board with the giant heat sinks. May I request a video with a step-by-step replacing an old school power supply with a newer one? Please, he says. Okay. So, I mean, we about... Be, we'll try to bump that up because it seems like we get some of those questions. Yeah. The thing about shuffleboard in particular is that I don't know if that, like, Arcade Shop makes a kit for that one. So you're actually sure. going to have to track down... You know, which wires are the 5 volts, which wires are the 12 volts, and all that kind of stuff. Which is not hard, but it's something that you just have to keep in mind. And so when you're doing this one, you're going to have to, you know, look at your pinouts. And if it's got AC coming in where it has the DC switcher, Tim, then you're going to have to figure out which lines get converted to which DC and then send the correct DC along those lines to whichever whichever pins need it. And so that's something to keep in mind. But it's not as hard. It's not really that hard. The reason we like the arcade shop kits is because they are basically plug and play. And, you know, the games that support those are really nice. But, you know, Tim, it's not really that difficult. You know, like I said, how long do you think it'd take? About 30 minutes, 45 minutes, basically trace down all that wire, see what you need. So, I mean, it's not a long process by any means. But, you know, again, you know, it's just just a process of getting the pinouts for your game, finding out which wires are the power... Are the power on your harness, and then trying to figure out, you know, where to go with the BDC lines. So the 12 volts go, where's the 5 volts going, things like that. So, Michael, hopefully, I give you a little bit of insight on that question, and hopefully, we'll do a video at some point so you can kind of see that in action. Okay, Tim, let's go to ZTE 11794591, and they say, is there a way you can test a chip? Several. Sure. Yeah, there's a several ways to test a chip. One, and we'll start simple, is to go into the test menu. A lot of games we've talked about earlier today have a test menu. Right. Then you can go by the looks test. Yes. Magnifying, you know, sometimes it's easy to tell when a chip is bad. It's burned, cracked, bubbled, split. Then you can go by the heat test. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you'll see guys use a, a, a like a Freon-type spray, or and they spray it on there, a tech spray, and they can see which one, you know, is responding with is, that is hot. But, you know, I think that what, you're, what the real question is, is what's the best way? Well, if you kind of do the looks and the feel and you can't tell, well, here's what I do, Jonathan. I take a Logic Probe, right. which you can buy at uh, Radio Shack. They're around less than $20. I know probably in, around $10. Right. They're not very expensive. And you hook that up to a five volt line, and you go. What you're going to need to know is the schematic to your chip in particular that you're testing. Right. So um, I use a TTNL cookbook. I'm sure you could go online, or you could go to Mauser.com or something and get the specifications. Each leg goes from one goes down. Let's say it's a 16 pin chip, for right. instance. So you got one through 16. Each one is a gate that opens and closes, and they do certain things. Some are voltage, so you could actually turn your game on and find a ground and test and see if it's got voltage going through it. Right, which you can actually test that with your multimeter. With if you the multimeter. Know which legs are voltage, correct. Right, you could test. 
Some of them uh, do other things. And they pulse, and that's what you would need the logic probe for. Right. So if you want to get into board repair, I do just enough to get me by. You might talk to some of our guys, but it, can you test a chip? Yes, you can. They make tools for it. You also can take it out of circuit, and they make things where you could, like if it's a ROM, uh, you could hook it up, get a little the ROMs, deep, test right. the ROMs, stuff like that, where you hook it up to a program that does it to a computer. I mean, you can go on and on. Some of our guys that do this for a living would definitely probably better suited to answer this, but that's some stuff that I do. Yeah, and I mean, you know, the great thing about MAME, too, is a lot of those ROM chips you can test against whatever the MAME ROM image is for that chip, and so you can see if they're the same, you know, and, and basically tell if the chip is good or bad, depending on that as well. But yeah, you have to have a little bit more, some equipment to do that, obviously, which a lot of our audience may not have. But as far as, you know, testing logic chips, Tim, I'm with you. You need, you know, get your logic pro, get your multimeter, check some voltages, check some pulses, and, you know, get a TTNL cookbook and all that good stuff, too. You know, Tim, uh, when I was in college, we wired up an alarm clock, you know, with right. the, you know with the TTNL cookbook and just some logic chips and wiring, so on a breadboard. So, you know, I mean, I have a little bit of, you know, a little bit of skill with that. Obviously, I'm not any kind of, you know, I'm not going to be hard-coding a board, designing a board, and then writing programs for it. But, you know, I, you know. It is it is fascinating, you know. And those people who study engineering, you know, Raymond from Arcade Components is is one of sure. our friends that does like that and, kind of and stuff. And Raymond really probably be really good, great guy to ask. Yeah, Raymond <laughs> has all of his repair logs online too. That he yeah. actually tells you how he goes about doing it. You know, on NewLifeGames.net, you guys can check those out. I'll put a link to that. In fact, Tim, so we can so we can show people that. But you go to Amazon or eBay and try to find the TTNL cookbook. Right. And uh, that talks about how logic, and it talks a lot about how that stuff works and how to test them, too, in there, so that may help you. Okay, so ZTE 11794591 hopefully answers your question. And, you know, good luck with testing those chips. Let us know if, you know, if you try, if you start doing it and if you run into any trouble, and we'll help you out. Great question. Yeah, definitely. Okay, Tim, let's move to Adidas 1984X. And they ask, what type of monitor would I use to replace a 25-inch CRT monitor or a 27-inch CRT? So right now, Tim, what? Where would I find a monitor to replace a twenty-five or twenty-seven inch? He CRT? said, "What type?" My first answer would be wherever you can find one. Yeah, they're right really now they're hard, hard to, find. to come by. Yeah, I would go um, just. I would go to Hap, and I would probably use their Vision Pro. Yeah, or Mac Mark Vision or Mac Vision, whatever they call it. And um, you know, Betson has some too that yeah, they use. But okay. you know, you know, we're going to enter the zone where I'm going to tell you, <laughs> don't use the Betson. I do not like Cortec monitors. Correct. That's just my personal opinion. We've gotten better with them. Yeah. Well, the I sent, I gave up on one. Sent to Chad. He had. You hear us talk about monitor repairs. Talking about a few things. Right. He had to replace thirty-two components to get it to work. Golly. So I'm just telling you. And it also, you do internet research about the cheap Chinese capacitors and stuff. I guarantee you, they're full of them. Yep. So if I was to replace one. I would talk to HAP Controls and get one from them. Or, you know, there's some stuff. You you get some off of eBay and stuff sometimes. There was a company I bought three from. They wanted me to test them. They wanted me to be a distributor and sell them. I told them, well, let me see how you work. Then they weren't worth a hoot. Right. If you have the opportunity and they still sell them, I would always recommend Wells Gardner. Yes. Number one. Number one. But I don't even know if they make a 25-inch Wells anymore. Well, they they might do an LCD. Yeah, but it's going to be. And expensive. If you want to go up to an LCD, now that depends. You right. know, if you like that, I would highly recommend it. Because I think I game. think Wells has pretty much moved all to LCD. But you can't use part. an LCD game in a gun game, right? So depending on the game, 
depending on how much money you want to spend, or really, you want to do it the cheap way, you can go to auction and buy a, any game that works. It's just not a like a driving game or something. Sometimes you can get the whole game cheaper and you can get a monitor. But you know, Tim, from our standpoint, we're always more about repairing what's in there than trying to replace it. True. And so, you know, Adidas 1984X, if you have a monitor in your game right now, why not try to fix it? Sure. Because I'm telling you, those monitors, when they're fixed, a 7000 series monitor, Tim, when it's fixed, looks beautiful. Looks really just good, like yeah. we show in our video. So, I mean, it's something to keep in mind. But, you know, for the most part, try half. You can try Wells. You might have to end up buying an LCD just depending on your game. But those are some options that you can definitely do whenever you're looking for a new 25-inch monitor. Okay, Tim, let's move on to Indus07. And this is this comment was posted on our Removing and Installing a Monitor Chassis video. And he says, with the ground wire, where does the other end go? I understand that the ground wire is there in case of failure, and then we'll charge down, we'll go down the ground wire. Is that correct? One end goes to the neck board, but where's the other end go? Onto the CRT, but where exactly? So, Tim, obviously when we're hooking up our chassis, we got all the wires and everything, there's usually a ground wire that hooks directly to our neck board. Right. And that's what he's wondering. Where does the other end of that ground wire go? It usually goes to some kind of wire that goes around your tube. Correct. Or something. Um, if you can't find that, just go straight to your frame somewhere put like a connector on it and go under one of the screws to the frame of your monitor you know the thing that you actually pick up and touch just try to go anywhere to metal will be that metal frame would be okay right so basically this is just in case like he said a failure that the voltage will go down that ground wire line instead of instead of some other places that basically is he right in saying that yeah in, in theory yeah it's kind of right okay so i mean that's the biggest thing though but uh, yeah it does actually go around the crt and kind of just there in case we do get a little bit of a jolt or anything like that okay sure. so in 07 hopefully it answers your question you know it does sound like it's there more for a safety feature than anything else but definitely need to put it there if it's there and you know again it just goes to that wire going around the crt okay tim let's go to grab my goobers and this is as far <laughs> okay. as the as, as far as the installing a fan in an arcade cabinet video that we have he posted it there and he says thank you for the helpful video i have a area 51 maximum force arcade cabinet and the power supply is completely enclosed and it doesn't have the screws in which you can loosen to hook it up any ideas where i can hook up 12 volts and a ground in this particular cabinet now, Tim, if you don't have the screws, if you have a, a, a PC-type power supply that we like right. to call them about, then it's going to have a connector coming out of it, and you'll have to connect the wires to that connector in order to get voltage to them. Right. And, and typically, now this is typically in about, what would you say, 85 to 90% of power supplies that you've seen, the yeah. yellow wire will be your 12 volts yes. coming out of the power supply. Right. And the red would be your 5 volts. Correct. The black would be your ground. Right. And an orange would usually be your negative 5. Or, or white. White or is negative white. 5. Orange should usually 12, I believe. But all you have to do is take your meter. Or not orange, yellow. My you bad. have yellow. to take just take your meter and read them. It doesn't matter what the color right. is. Read them with your meter coming off that Molex plug, and that's where you're going to hook your other Molex end up into. Now, black is typically always ground, so you can always start there and mm -hmm. then just go down the other colors of wires to see which ones are, are which. And I think that's the best way to do it in case don't you don't. trust the colors, trust, trust your, your meter. And trust and, your meter, that's and, right. And what you're reading, okay? Definitely. So, grab my goobers, hopefully answered your question. Look for the harness that's coming out of the power supply, check it there with your meter to see where that 12-volt line is, and then you'll need to hook it up there. Okay, Tim, let's go to Mark Faust, who actually says his real name is Matt. So okay. Matt says, hello, I have an Astro Blaster Sega Gremlin from 1981 that recently started acting up. The borders start to disappear and the background stars elongate and glow bright white. 
Sometimes the sound of an explosion continues on and on. I try to send my boards to Richie Knuckles, but they don't have this game and therefore can't work on it for me. Does anyone you know have the capabilities to help me test my boards? Thank you, Matt. So, Tim, we have Matt here, and he's got an Astro Blaster. We don't know many people with Astro Blasters anymore, no. but they should be able to fix your problem even without necessarily having the Right, the because they'll make a harness and wire it up. So, by sure, some of those guys that we list, I would definitely contact them. I don't think that just because one person won't, won't do it, uh, there should be one of the people on our uh, page that could help you with that. You know, Alex at Electron Forge might be one. That's uh, that's who I would probably recommend right off the bat. Seems like he doesn't mind tack- tackling the really older stuff right. like that, and he's good at it. So that's just one name, Matt, as far as somebody you can send him off to. But we'll go ahead and we'll put that link for you on the website so you can check it out. Again, we talked a little bit about checking chips and stuff. Right. And on a board this old, you could probably do a lot of troubleshooting you yourself. Do it yourself. That's so, right. Just something to think about. So, But, Matt, we will send you a link to Electron Forge and all that good stuff in the show notes. So watch for that, and hopefully that answers your question. Good luck getting your Astro Blaster repaired. Okay, Tim, let's go to Marsh1468. And they say, what do you do if your tube is bad? Are you SOL? Okay. So, been there before. And <laughs> been there before? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, let's all think back to when we all had two TVs. Yep. I guarantee if you went down to the TV repair shop and they told you their tube was bad, they never. there was never any more discussion after that. They never said, it's going to cost so much to fix it. Right. They would tell you, go buy another TV. Right. Because it was always more economical to fix. I mean, you couldn't repair it. So, could it possibly be repaired? It's probably so, but it would be more cost-effective just to go ahead and replace it. Right. That's Yeah, you're not completely out because your chassis could be good. Right. If your chassis is good and you got a bad tube, well... I mean, you can find other you tubes. can find other tubes, and yeah. a lot of TV tubes will work. Hey, if you guys have seen any of our videos, you've seen a big shelf right behind Tim in the shop where there's just tubes and tubes. You should see our our warehouse, right. and you should see like just the tubes that we have, and we keep those just in case. You never know when you're going to have a chassis go bad and you can't really fix it, but you still have the tube, or vice versa. So depending on what kind of, especially if you've got something common like a Wells Gardner seven thousand series or something. Figure out what kind of uh, chassis you have and ask around. The arcade vendors, like I said, somebody come to us right now, they could have one for 20 bucks easily. <laughs> right. Uh, you, we might give them three for that price <laughs> just to haul them off. But we keep them for that reason. So, um, you know, that would be my recommendation. You're not totally messed up, especially I'd rather it be the tube than the chassis. It's easier sometimes to fix just change out a tube. Definitely. So, Marsh1468, hopefully that answers your question. And, you know, if you do have a bad tube, let us know. Maybe we can get you matched up with the right tube to go with it again. Okay, Tim, we got another one from Indos07, or Indos07. And this is concerning the adjusting a convergence rings video. And he asks, I wonder if that screen would work with 3D glasses. <laughs> so, Tim, could we possibly <laughs> modify the convergence rings, the red and the blue, to get maybe a picture that it does kind of look nice like 3D, that, doesn't it? Yeah, if we had the red and blue 3D glasses, we could watch. Hey, you might be able to. I don't know. Of course, it would make everything look kind of weirdly tinted, I have a feeling. but My answer to that is there's only one way to find out. <laughs> so let us know when you do yeah, it. Yeah, let us know when you do it and tell us how it worked out. <laughs> there you go. So so uh, Indes 07 hopefully answers that one. And Tim, let's go on to 527 Saner. And he says, I have a problem with my screen resolution. The contrast and the colors are messed up. The game I have is a Street Fighter, and Ken's hair is blue. 
I don't know what to do. So Timmy's got the contrast colors all messed up. Ken's supposed to be blonde. He's got blue hair. I, golly, what's going on here? Well, we're going to just start simple. Uh, we don't know. Now, we have mentioned this a couple times. My, If your floor is concrete, you might reposition the game and see if um, the rebar and stuff, like my, my garage, bad about that. Oh, yeah. But outside of that, you know, we're gonna we're just gonna have to um, do a cap kit and go from there. And or see do in adjustments if you haven't opened up the back oh, to I'm adjust sure, it at all. You I'm know, sure. Obviously. I was hoping that he says the contrast and the colors are messed up. Well, yeah, have you adjusted, have you adjusted it? them? So watch our videos on that. If the adjustments just don't make any difference or don't work, then we'll probably need to do a cap kit on it. And it might even need degaussing at this point, Tim, as well. You For might sure. need to get you a degaussing coil and try that as well. That's just another thing to think about. So 527 Saner hopefully answers your question. Try the adjustments. Try a cap kit. Even try a degaussing coil and see if those things will help you out with your colors. Okay, Tim, let's go to Hide Fan Lovely. And Hide Fan Lovely says, Hello, I own an arcade machine that's pretty old but in good shape. My major question is, is it more valuable to restore it versus leaving it in its current condition? I mean, does it make it more collectible? Thank you. So, Tim, we don't know which arcade machine this is for mm-hmm. Hide Fan Lovely, but general question, if I restore it, does it make the game more valuable? Okay. That's an easy answer. The answer should be yes. Yes. But will it make it more profitable? Right. Is maybe what they're looking at. Like, is it worth putting a lot of money into? Will you get it back? Kind of like restoring a house. Right. There are certain areas that you can remodel that will add value to your house. Sure. Other areas, you're just changing a paint color or something. You you. But would it look? Does it look better? Are you happier with it? What kind of personal satisfaction? To me, you know, of course, if I see a game or you go to sell a game, let's think of it as a competition. Right. You're selling the Pac-Man game, so is your neighbor. Right. But yours is restored. Somebody's always going to be willing to pay more for that great-looking machine. But how much will it cost to get your machine great-looking versus him? He may end up making more profit. Right. If it's really, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. It's not going to profit. You're not going to get dollar for dollar for what most in this economy. Right. Now, we do have a feeling and we do hope that one day they will come back. And there were times there, I would say seven, eight years ago, when it was definitely worth it. Right. So, you know, it's kind of a twofold question. Is it more valuable? I think so. I would definitely say. Just like an old car. Right. But at the same time, how much is it going to cost you to do that? Would you get a return on that investment? And so if you're really looking at it as investment, you're kind of in the wrong business. <laughs> it's not a good money-making uh, thing. But uh, most people listening to this podcast, this is part of the fun. That's exactly the yeah. And it's a lot of it is part of is the pride. Process. Right. You know, it's just a little bit of pride. You know, we got guys, we love to post pictures of our completed projects and stuff and to make it look like new. So, you know... Really, I don't want to think about games economically. I want to think of them uh, in that pride sense and, and making in the love of right. the game. Right. It's just to, to taking taking that game, restoring it back to its former glory, and then yeah, when you sell it, you'll never get probably back what you got out of it. But somebody will get a great game uh, after that. So. Or if you leave it to your kids or whatever the case right. may be. So, 
Sounds good. So hi, Fan Lovely. Hopefully that answers your question. Definitely does make it more collect collectible. As far as value goes, though, it just really depends on the game, I think. Yeah. So, you know, for the most part, it's more of a labor of love, like me and Tim like to say. And, you know, just something that people like to take pride in. So hopefully answers your question. I, I love the question, though. Yeah, good, good. good question. Something not out of the, the, the norm that we usually get. Definitely. Okay, Tim, let's move to Ill-Advised Films, or Mark, as he wants us to call him. He says, hello, I just bought a JAMA cabinet. It was kept in storage for six years, and after picking it up and taking it home, I left it for a week to get back to room temperature as the seller suggested. I put the game board in and turned it on. The screen boots up for two seconds, then goes back to black like it's not even on. Does it sound like the screen is broken? I tried YouTube the problem, and I came across your videos to help, but would like your advice on this. Thanks. Regards, Mark. So, Tim, I've got a JAMA cabinet left in storage for six years, and I sell it to you. And I tell you, leave it at room temperature for at least a week, okay. and then turn it back on. And so you do that, and when you do that, it boots up for two seconds and goes black, like it's not even on. So the screen comes up for a second, and then boom, goes goes right black. So what's going on with your game that you just got from me? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm coming back over to your house because you <laughs> uh, and we're going. I'm going to take a piece of you out. <laughs> no, you know, as it, you know, that might be harder than you think. Right, <laughs> right. I don't want to mess with the Carl McGaugh's part here, but but at the same time, you know, I would have. I want to answer a few questions that aren't asked here. Sure, of course. Because guys, when you buy a game that's broken, I don't care if what the seller tells you, <laughs> you can say. Bid like it's broken, you know? Yeah, definitely. So I hope that you got a good deal on it. Right. Um, you don't say much about it. But being in, in stores for six years, a lot of those caps are probably bad. You've, we gotta, we got to start simple. Always start at power. Correct. So you need to get a multimeter and you need to learn how to read the voltages. Watch our videos on checking a power supply. If all that's good. See, that could be why it comes on for a second and then dies. Right. But if all that's good and the game plays blind, which we've talked a lot we talk a lot about, there is a problem with your monitor, you need to rebuild your chassis and you may want to send that off for repairs if you're not uh, real comfortable doing that. But and that's of got course, videos on all that stuff, right? right? And that's of course if the key is the game plays blind. Again, that if that's the key. Now, if it doesn't play blind, right, it could have board issues. I mean, you know, true. That's just the we way don't it is. know what kind. It just got a jam a cabinet. We right. don't know what game, but that's easy. You know, I mean, so the standards are out there. He needs to check his voltage. He'll start at power, and we'll go from there. Sounds good. So, Mark, hopefully that answers your question. Uh, you know, it does sound like you need to go ahead and, you know, check out some of the power on this game. Check out that... You know, Especially your, the key phrase is that it starts to come on and dies. Right. That really makes me think power supply. Yes. And especially after setting in a storage for so long and not being turned on. Think about it like a car battery. Right. You know, they you could have a brand new battery, but if you don't use it... Right. And this sets there. Eventually, it's not going to be very good. So uh, you're going to. I would definitely check your voltage. Probably need a new power supply. Sounds good. So Mark, hopefully, it answers your question. And good luck with your repair on your Jamma cabinet. Okay, Tim. Let's go to Tom Two Boob. Okay. And he says the power lead to the wall from my house to the dead arcade keeps blowing a fuse as soon as I turn it on. Any ideas what I should do, mate? Okay. So I can't do a good Australian accent. I can't do the mate. But oh. anyway, so every time he plugs in the power plug, it's blowing the fuse immediately. Okay. So what does that mean, Tim? What What, what is happening in our game? Well, you know, the a fuse blown is always an indication that something, 
some somewhere is wrong. Right. The problem is finding out exactly what because it could be something tiny. Yep. Like a shorted wire or something barely grounding out somewhere. Uh-huh. Could be something huge like a monitor or a board or a power supply. And here's what my advice is. Number one, we need to figure out if you've got the right house of the dead too. We gotta find out find a manual, find out what fuse is supposed to be in there. Right. Because remember, sometimes you just have the wrong amperage of fuse in there. Correct. So we need to and find them and get a box of them. Yep. Alright, so what we're going to do is we're going to find the right fuse. I don't know what it is, but a manual will probably tell you, read the schematic or help, have someone that can help you with that. Let's say it's a 2 amp slow blow. Right. Okay, we're going to put a, get a box 10 2 amps. What I'm going to do is I'm going to unplug the board, I'm going to unplug the monitor, I'm going to plug everything I can and start going down the line at the power supply. Then turn the game on. Does it blow the fuse right away? Okay, well then I got a problem in my power supply, right. which is really common. Right. And that may be it. You may solve it, get a new power supply done. If the power supply works, your voltages are good, but we're not blowing the fuse Let's hook up the board right. and see if it blows the monitor or hook up the monitor. You see, that's one way that you can kind of troubleshoot that stuff. So kind of by plugging in one area at a time, and let's say uh, I would unplug things like the coin door and stuff, and then right. I would unplug the lights going up to the top. And then when you find whatever it is that at some point will blow the fuse after you plugged in something that helps just a real simple way of troubleshooting games or blowing fuses definitely and i think that's probably the technique that tom to boob needs to use here is probably just go ahead and unplug everything put a fuse in there now another thing is that it also depends on which fuse is blowing i mean like you know in a pac-man you actually have fuses for for like the different ac lines that are in yeah there, you sounds know, like he like says the power lead from the wall right so a lot of them are right in the back a part of that it really sounds like it's right there some kind of power really makes me think power supply but i would unplug your monitor and everything and see if it blows right off the bat again sounds good tim so hopefully tom too boop that answers your question it does sound like you're gonna need to do a little troubleshooting like tim said sounds more like a power supply issue to us but you know sega tim sega game that's something else to think about you know and you know how sega games are with wiring and things like that always kind of crazy so you know, you might have to do a little troubleshooting, unplug some things, plug some things in to see if it blows those fuses or not. So hopefully answers your question, and good luck with getting that House of the Dead 2 going. And Tim, we're to our last YouTube question, and it's from Ambient Derp. And they say, you mentioned in an earlier video about how if you needed to or were asked to make a video about installing a power switch on the outside of an arcade cabinet, you would. I have one, but it's in the back of my cabinet. I want to move it to the front top. Any help would be great. If I put a PC in my cabinet, Amy says, and I hook it up to a smart power strip, could I plug the arcade monitor and everything from the cab into the, into it and my PC into that and then run a switch to the strip to the outside of the cab? So basically, Ambient Dirt's wanting to do this for main purposes. He wants to know how to do the power switch. And Tim, we might actually be doing a video like that pretty soon. We've talked about it quite a bit, putting power switch on an arcade game. But, you know, what we do in these games is we actually put that power switch kind of uh, in between the the plug coming into the wall and the rest of our devices and then we we wire up the monitor we wire up one set of wires going to the monitor and another set going to 
a set of plugs in the game. And that's right. the way we wire that. So when we turn on that switch, it supplies power to the monitor and it supplies power to our strip or to our sockets that we've put, our outlets that we've put inside the game. And so that's what we would recommend here, Ambient Derp, is that you just go ahead and actually put some power sockets inside your cabinet along with you know the wiring that you have right right there for the monitor already. And that's the way we usually set it up. And then we just have it to where the main cord coming in goes to the power switch and kicks out to all the rest of that stuff. And so it's, it's not too bad, right, Tim? I mean, we do need to shoot a video on just doing a regular power switch, but, I mean, it's basically just you know a set of, what, three wires, basically, right. that you use. So we've talked about it a little bit on other podcasts. Tim, you care to elaborate on that at all? Well, he says he has one that's in the back of the cab. Right. So he could see how that's wired up, unplug right. the wires and move it, and use that same kind of setup. So, yeah, what we probably will shoot a video on doing is, yeah, it's okay to um, run the power strip and all that stuff for his main, but what we would probably do is make a power plug up inside there and then hook that up to that, but you still need a toggle on-off switch. Correct. The way a toggle will work is you'll generally have like four pins. Right. Two on the, le- two on the left, two on the right. You'll hook up two on the bottom or the top, depending on how you want your switch to go on or off. Right. And all it does is say, okay, when here I have power coming in and it stops, and then when I hit the switch, it's going to allow that power to go out the other side. Right. So you got two going in, two going out. It's pretty simple. But a video would help way more oh, than yeah. I'm explaining. Of course. So uh, let's put that in the queue, and we'll try to shoot that video pretty soon, maybe in one of our next ones. I could honestly uh, do it on my main cabinet. I don't have right. a power switch on the outside. I was also thinking We could on, make one in the front. Yeah, I was also thinking on the, the Marvel superheroes that we did the, the repair on. We could do one on that as well. Either way, any yeah. of those would work. So, NBA Yeah, you got, you got a power supply on the back. Right, but the so switch we is could wi- yeah. we could wire up a switch mm-hmm. on that one. Maybe we'll do that before we bring it over. Sounds good. So, Ambient Derp, hopefully that answers your question. Hopefully we'll do a video on that very soon. It's definitely on the queue. But um, if not, just listen to what Tim was explaining here, and hopefully that will help you out quite a bit. Well, Tim, that does it for the questions for this episode of the podcast. So let's go ahead and move on to some discussion, which we teased earlier. Right. And the first thing we have is an update about Stan's Dragon Slayer. And, Tim, we're sorry to report that Stan has still not gotten back any of the parts that were lost in in the fiasco with the shipping of his Dragon Slayer parts. Right. But the good news is, is he's got he has now bought two of the three missing parts he's purchased from other individuals, and he's just looking now for a Dragon Slayer power supply. So if any of y'all out there have a Dragon Slayer power supply and are willing to give it up for our friend Stan so he can get his Dragon Slayer working, please let us know and be, be more than happy to to accommodate you with some sort of some of uh, maybe maybe we we'll, whatever maybe uh yeah we'll either chip in some funds or. Uh, you got a video you want shot, and you'll donate the power supply or find one and send it to us. We'll shoot the video in your honor and, and, and try to shoot it, make it to the top of the list. There you go. So, unfortunately, Stan has, again, not gotten back the parts. My theory is, Tim, that as soon as he gets the power supply, USPS is going to call him and be like, oh, we found oh, all your stuff. Oh, probably so, yeah. You know, it's, always, it's always after you've gone about all of the trouble of finding you all the parts. You can't have too many Dragon's Lair 
parts are, right? That's exactly correct. So, guys, sorry about that. But like Tim said, if somebody out there has one that's willing to either donate or, or have us pay or have Tim, uh, Tim or Stan pay for that part, that we can get it to Stan so he can get it all working. We'd be more than happy to accommodate. Or if you'd like to have a video request or something like that, we will actually go out of our way to shoot a video. We'll, we'll do something, definitely. <laughs> there you go. Well, Tim, let's move to our real discussion question. Of course, we just want to give an update on that. But our real discussion question is that, what was this? Sunday night a couple weeks ago, we had a little shindig at a, p- a local pizza place for your birthday, after church kind of thing, and it was fun. But, man, the games were awful. What? Yeah. Okay, now, you know, uh, guys, as you guys might have might know, me and Tim used to be operators. We had a couple locations here and there. We, you know, we we have an idea of what games make money and what games don't, and, and you know how to keep a game room pretty clean. Obviously, Tim does it every day of his life. Almost, he's a Chuck E. Cheese, and he keeps his games immaculate, guys. If you've never been to the, this local Chuck E. Cheese or any Chuck E. Cheese, it seems like Chuck E. Cheese as a whole, you guys do a great job of keeping the games clean and I working. Noticed, and I think Dave that. and Buster's too. And Dave I, and Buster's. Every time I go, it seems like their games are clean and. You could just tell when they're not. You yeah, know, and that's what go. happened with our local pizza shop, Tim. We went in and we saw, oh, how many games were in there? About 10 or 15. Right. And they were all filthy, and half of them worked Disgusting. halfway. And, right. and the other half didn't work at all. <laughs> yeah, every game needed something. That's right. So let's go not- Little, but something. Let's yeah. go around the room a little bit, shall we? Okay. The first game that I remember seeing was a Terminator Salvation. The Terminator Salvation had 18 credits on it, right. was missing the second player gun, and you couldn't start the game. Right. <laughs> I believe is that's everything. And apparently, it still made money because people were putting tokens yeah, so and credits in it, trying to get it to play. And so, you know, there you go. That's a Terminator Salvation. Now, think about how new that game is, Tim. It's pretty new, like right. just a couple years old. And it is in just terrible shape, missing the second gun completely, and then the first gun not not working at all, can't start the game. That's just unexcusable. Right. And then, you know, you go around, there was a Galaga Miss Pac-Man, Anniversary okay. Collection, a great one, right? Right. Great game. And the whole bottom part of the control panel overlay is ripped off, and car- people have carved stuff in it, and the whole screen just has a blue tint to it. Right. So, it was <laughs> actually distracting trying to play. That's right. You can I mean, see. honestly, you know, as much me and you really seem like we can have some good Galaga competitions yeah. too. So it was my birthday, and we were wanting to have some fun. We go. I don't even think we finished the game. Right. No. We, we didn't. just. We wouldn't even worth playing. Yeah. And it's terrible. I mean, and you know, and it's like we're trying to shoot, and the fire button doesn't work either. Right. It like works every other time you press. It needed it. about twenty dollars worth of parts. Right. And it would have been perfect, but instead... And we probably would have put $5 back into it that night. Yeah, definitely, but unfortunately it didn't. Now, there was also a slugfest there, which worked for the most part, was but was about the dirtiest thing that you've ever seen. Right. I and mean, it was just awful, filthy, nasty, I, I mean... It hadn't been clean... Years. I mean, it had to have been years it yeah. hadn't been clean. It hadn't even, nobody even took a dirty rag and wiped it, you know, it was just dirty. <laughs> Okay, so we keep going around the room, okay? There was an Off-Road Thunder, Tim. And those of you who have played Off-Road Thunder, it's a sit-down driving game, Mm -hmm. and it has a yellow seat. It looked like it had been (laughs) off-road. But usually it has a yellow seat that you sit in, and, you know, it's got the things and everything. Well, that yellow seat looked brown. Right. (laughs) That's how nasty it was. It, it, It actually looked brown. And, I mean, it was just nasty, filthy, I mean, probably one of the nastiest things I've ever seen. Tim, let's continue around the room, <laughs> shall we? There was a Teenage Ninja Turtles, and one of the turtles had about 25 credits on it, 
because neither one of the buttons would start the game right. for that to- Leonardo, I think. Right. And so, like, the Leonardo side had 18 credits in it, but you couldn't, neither one of the buttons worked, so you couldn't start the game. Right. Probably okay. a 30-second fix. Right. I pop the control panel open, wire loose, boom. Done. But instead, people had put in 25 quarters into into that side thinking they were going to play and got nothing. Right. And then there was also an 18-wheel. Uh-huh. Okay, an 18-wheeler, okay? Sega 18-wheeler. And the horn, horn was, was constantly blowing. Constantly blowing. Right. Me. The entire time. You couldn't you couldn't hit the button to turn it off or anything like right. that. And that was filthy dirty, too. Right. It had all sorts of things, you know, like uh, that looked like somebody just taking crayon to it, scribbled all over We got it. a term, and this will put it in perspective. It's called people grease. <laughs> oh, okay. People grease? People grease. Ugh. There's nothing grosser <laughs> than people grease if you don't clean stuff that hands and stuff... Touch. All I know is, is I went home that night, took a shower, and you know, I'm like in the shower, still not clean. You know, yeah. I'm, like, I'm still scrubbing, trying to get all the grime and stuff off me from that one game room right. experience. And guys, it just shows you, you know, you can always tell the difference between an operator who likes to play games right. and an operator who's just trying to make money. Well, they're trying to make money, but here's the point. We spent a grand total of about $1.25. Okay, right. Had And it was my birthday. Yeah. Right? Had it been working... And everything they're working, we'd have probably spent twenty or thirty dollars. Yep, easily. Oh yeah, and and had a blast mm-hmm. and walked away and told everybody else that terminated. It was fun. Yep. They tell people they go in there and play. They have a good time. And we understand stuff breaks, but so my, my challenge is out there to people who are working or, or running arcades. Yes, you have to spend money to keep these games up, but you make that profit back. We had a question earlier about. We're not talking about cosmetic issues. We're talking about playable issues. Right. You know, like fire button not working on Galaga. Colors not right. That's unacceptable. Can't start my Terminator Salvation game. Cannot start my Teenage Ninja Turtles game. Not to mention how dirty they were. So, enough that we would even talk about it on a podcast, you know. So, you know, you guys that, that are working in arcades, and I know a lot of times, you know, the managers and stuff, or they don't want to spend any money... Just think of it in those terms. Right. You know, I know managers that wouldn't allow people uh, certain games because a guy could come in and play it for a long time. Right. What you got to think of is how many quarters did that guy already spend and how many other people, when he finally does quit playing, are going to want to be like him and get to that point that they're going to put a lot of coins in, too. But, you know, Tim, another thing is just keeping games clean, keeping yeah. control panels clean, keeping keeping joysticks clean. You know, people don't realize that's a big impression on you as an arcade owner. You know, right. if I go into a place and it feels grimy, if the DDR machines look like they just have layers of, of like, dirt and grime all over them, right. I don't want to play it. I'm sorry. I don't want to touch it. You know, I, you know, and all it takes, Tim, is a little Windex, you know, a little right. bit, a little cleaner here and there, and so you're good. People ask us a lot of times, "What do you use to clean games with?" And I'll tell them straight up, just about anything that you clean—a household appliance or, or any countertop. We use a lot of Pledge, Windex. I mean, basically, a, a rag and water is better than nothing. So, yeah. you know, you don't want to use too harsh a chemical, but at the same time, um, you know, it's not rocket science. Clean the dirt off. Yeah, for those of you, though, and Tim, this is our biggest warning here. For those of you who want to get into owning your arcade or want to be an operator, keep your games clean. Keep them playable. Okay? And if they're not playable, put up a sign that says out of order. I mean, that's all you had to do on that Terminator Salvation. All I had to do was turn it off 
and put a sign on it that said out of order. Right. And that would have been enough for most people. They wouldn't have put money in it or anything like that. Yeah, when, when you get to that, here's what happens, and I know this from, from first-hand experience. When you get, doesn't it upset you when you put a coin in, it doesn't, or they tell you no refund, stuff yeah. like that, but they don't put a tag or anything or a sign on it. It makes you just, and, and, I, and I wouldn't do it, but... Most people are half people are out there on the edge anyway. Yeah. That other gun, I makes I wanted to take it and bend it over my knee. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and I didn't do it, but I can see why other people probably did. Yeah. Because you feel like you're all of a sudden you they owe you more because they've taken your money. No kidding. The 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 best working piece of equipment in that game room was the change machine. Yeah. <laughs> Amazingly, it worked great. That's right. Took your money great. <laughs> but the change machine worked, but nothing else did. And guys, it's just something else that's something we want to discuss because we feel it's very important. And Tim, like you mentioned, there's a big difference to us. We're guys who like to play games. Okay, that's what we do. We like to play games. So for us, right. if it's not playable to us, we don't feel like it's up. It's not 100%. We need to fix it. But a lot of these, a lot of the operators, though, they just want to get the game. They want to get money. They, they'll do whatever they have to do just to get it running. They're not worried so much about it playing right. If it's up, it's making money, whatever it is. And it seemed like this operator was just not concerned at all with the player. And mm-hmm. when you're not concerned with the player, you, it's hard to make money. You know, I, I, in fact, I'm, you know, like you said, a clean game room. I'll tell people to go there. I'm actively going to start telling people not to go to this pizza place establishment. I'm not going to do it here on the podcast because it would be nice. But I'm going to actively tell people not to go to this pizza place establishment if they ask me because it's embarrassing to go into their game room. You don't know. Man, your kid could get tetanus from something in there. Now, one thing we don't talk about, do you guys realize how I got my first arcade job? I went because I didn't have enough money, but I noticed the games were dirty. I volunteered to clean the games, mow the guy's grass and everything, so that I could play the games. Right. And so here's, I want you guys to challenge the operators in your area. If you see they got a bunch of rundown games, you might say, hey, look, do y'all have any games that aren't working? I will work on these games if you give me this game. Right. There's a million ways to get around that. Or if you guys will let me eat free pizza, I'll come and fix a lot of your games, or at least I'll try. Right. Or I'll clean them. Right. If nothing else, give me a free meal. And I guarantee you, especially some of the pizza places that own their own games, but not a big franchise, if you tell them you'll come in there and, and you say, I'm an arcade collector, I will come in here, I will clean these games. If you guys will give us some passes or whatever, you'd be surprised. I mean, I'd probably love to take you up on that. Definitely. So, Tim, that, I think that's enough discussion on that, but we just wanted to get into that because we had experienced it firsthand and we wanted to tell the audience exactly you know, our thoughts on that. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that. But, Tim, we've come to the end. It's time to get to the announcements. And, Tim, as you might know, we got a couple of gaming shows coming up. Yeah, several. And the first one I want to talk about is the Midwest Gaming Classic 2012. It's going to be March 24th and 25th at the Sheraton Milwaukee Brookfield Hotel in Brookfield, Wisconsin. Weekend passes $25 in advance. One-day passes on Saturday are $20. And one-day passes on Sunday are 10 it's an all-encompassing electronic gaming event featuring home video game consoles, pinball machines, arcade video games, and computers. For more information and pre-registration, you guys visit MidwestGamingClassic.com. Tim, we also have the Michigan Pinball Expo coming up 2012 on April 15th, or actually 12th through the 15th, at the Oakland Center in Rochester, Michigan. Show pass is $60 at the door and $50 in advance. A one-day pass is $15 at the door, $12.50 in advance. And you guys can have a wonderful experience playing over 150 machines all set on free play. For more information and pre-registration, you guys visit mipinball.com. 
And of course, Tim, next weekend, Texas Pinball Festival 2012, wow, the weekend. 11th anniversary. And it's March 23rd through the 25th at the Hilton DFW Lakes in Grapevine, Texas. A weekend pass is $40 at the door. And a one-day pass is going to be $20 for Friday or Saturday or $10 on Sunday. There will be over 200 pinball machines, classic video games, and other game room goodies all set up on free play. For more information, visit the TexasPinball.com or just TexasPinball.com. We should note that pre-registration has ended, so if you haven't gotten your tickets, you'll have to get them at the door at this point. Tim and I will be there along with Mark and Stan on Saturday, so you guys can all come up and hang out with us. We're going to be in all the seminars, you know, writing down things and you know, all the good discussion for the podcast. And if you can't come and join us, Tim, we encourage you to enjoy to join us Saturday night for our live podcast. And we'll be putting the details up on the Facebook page as to what time and everything. So you guys stay tuned for that. Also, we'd like to say that if you can attend some of the events we can't go to, please take some pictures and update us. And we'd be glad to post some of those and, and maybe have some discussion on those too. And if you have an event that's coming up that you're hosting or that you're, you know, you're you're one of the major organizers for, send us an email at questions at arcaderepairtips.com and let us know about your gaming event in your area. And Tim, let's talk about the contact information since I just gave out one of the ways you can contact us. The first way is via email, as I said, questions at arcaderepairtips.com. That's questions at arcaderepairtips.com. And right now, Tim, this is going to be the primary way that we're getting most of our questions. And all those questions that we're answering via email are kind of first come first serve we're trying to get as many done we're still on a backlog guys but we're trying to get some of the recent ones answered as well i kind of mix them in with the podcast so if you guys want your question answered the fastest probably the best way to send it questions at arcaderepairtips.com we also have a voicemail line and tim we're still kind of holding some of those back for a special voicemail podcast but you guys can still send us voicemails at 972 the number 8 ar tips as an arcade repair tips or 972-827-8477. Again, you know, just send, leave us a voicemail there. Right now, we're not calling back voicemails. Like I said, we're kind of holding all those voicemails back until we have our special voicemail episode, hopefully sometime soon. Now, Tim, I've broken up our different contact things We because, you know, we have social media, but we also have multimedia. Right. And, Tim, most of our listeners to the podcast, I know, subscribe to us via iTunes. And, the, and our iTunes page can be found at, found at itunes.arcaderepairtips.com. And that's where you can subscribe to our podcast. And, again, if you like our podcast, we would highly encourage you to go on there. You know, say a couple of kind words, give us a good rating, and all that good stuff really helps with our ranking in iTunes. So if you guys can, itunes.arcaderepairtips.com, leave us some good feedback there, and subscribe to the podcast. If you've got a Windows phone or a Zoom device, you guys can listen to us on the Zoom Marketplace. We don't have a link for that yet, but if you go on there and search for QA Podcast, you will find our podcast, Tim. So if you guys have a Zoom device or a Windows phone device, again, do a search for QA Podcast on there, and you'll find our podcast. We also have a Stitcher Radio account, Tim, where you can go and you can look us up on Stitcher Radio. And Stitcher Radio is a nice app that you can get for your Android phone or your iOS device. And you guys can find our specific page at stitcher.arcaderepairtips.com. You guys can go there and see our subscription for Stitcher Radio. And, of course, we have our YouTube page. And our YouTube page, Tim, is where we post all of our different videos. And, Tim, we should mention we now have over 1,000 subscribers on our YouTube page. So every time we post a video, over 1,000 people now get to see that we posted that video. But if you want to be part of that 1,000, go to youtube.arcaderepairtips.com, and you can find out more about it there. Wow, 1,000? I remember when there was like 150 of them were kin to me. (laughs) That's right. Mom, cousin, brother. I don't have that many uh, relatives. (laughs) That's right. you got all sorts of Thank you, everyone. Wow. That's right. We, we thank you guys a lot for that. It makes us feel good. And you guys, you, you know, obviously we do this all for you. So, you know, we appreciate you guys subscribing there as well. 
And Tim, we have our two social media pages that we like to use. We have our Twitter account that you can get to at twitter.arcaderepairtips.com. Or you can join us on our Facebook page, which our friend Mark is more than happy to, to help facilitate. And that's at facebook.arcaderepairtips.com. And Tim, while we're mentioning milestones, we should also mention that we have over 500 fans on the Facebook page. Wow. So. And, and you'll notice a lot of times I'll push the Facebook page for this reason, John. We both have full-time jobs. Correct. Um, and just a ton of other things outside of arcade games that we're involved in, community projects, church, and so forth. Here's what's great about the Facebook page. By the time I get to even see the question, there's some people on there that know a lot about game repair. Definitely. Probably even more than me. Yep. And so they answer the questions. And some, even new guys that have experienced or went through this, people will chime in and jump in and help you. It's a real community. If you're not on our Facebook page, you're really missing out. Yeah. They get a, you say, well, man, I wrote that question in a couple months ago or a couple weeks ago or whatever. These guys get it within a couple hours, sometimes minutes. Right. You'll have an answer and also a place for you to help out other people with the stuff that you've done. Yeah, and we also have contests so, there, Tim. And I think pretty soon, because I have some things I need to sell off or trade, we're going to start a selling off or trading thread. Oh, so nice. for those of you guys who have stuff that you might want to be get, you might want to get rid of pretty soon, I have some CPS2 cartridges, as you know, Tim, that I'm probably going to be getting rid of with marquees uh, for a very reasonable price. So if you guys will stay tuned there, you guys might be able to check that out. And we'll just make it a whole little thread if you want to if you have something you want to sell or trade we'll just put it in there All right. so you guys can can do that but I, definitely one of the better spots to get arcade repair help as well as meet other members of the community facebook.arcaderepairtips.com yeah, exactly and of course you can stay tuned on our twitter and facebook accounts for whenever we're going to be doing the live podcast from texas pinball festival and it's going to be a nice round table with me and and tim and mark and stan we're going to have all four of us there talking about the announcements that were made the games that are at the festival what we think about it and obviously if you've listened to the podcast for this long you know that we don't have any problem sharing our opinion tim right <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be a great time so we ask you guys to tune in for the special live episode coming up saturday evening sometime and it's just really going to depend on how the schedule for the Texas Pinball Festival goes as to when that will be. But, you know, I'm thinking right now seven or eight, maybe six, just depending on when all the seminars get over and when we can start to discuss Okay. So, Tim, I think we're about ready to wrap up episode 29. Anything you want to say before we head out? I just want to thank everybody for, you know, we just have done this for so long. And, you know, a lot of this, I know, Jonathan, is it was even your idea I mean, gosh, I don't even know how to tweet people. But, I mean, you know, Jonathan does all this, so we thank you for your hard work on that end and the the editing. And you guys really don't know some what really goes behind all those videos and the things. I just stand up there and act stupid and, and talk funny. But well, at the same time, you know, it, we do it because we want to see these, th- these games go on. This stuff will be around for a long time. And we want to mentor some people. And, and we see some of these young guys coming up. So we thank you for having an interest in our hobby and for listening and for doing all these things. And we just, when we get a lot of positive feedback, we get a lot of positive feedback. We really do. Way more than the negative. And, you know, everybody likes a pat on the back. Thank y'all. For those of right. you who buy our videos, that helps us to buy I, the I equipment. You, that's the biggest thing, too. We have sold more DVDs in 2012, I think, than we sold all of 2011, and it's only three months in. I want to thank anybody who's bought a set of the DVDs recently. Uh, Tim, as you know, we spent some of the money to make full-color copies of Volume 1, Volume 2, and Volume 3. We now have full-color disc of each of them. Right. And so from now on, all the orders will be going out with the full-color ones. 
thinking about doing a trade-in program if there's enough interest, if people want to trade in their old black and white okay. label copies for the color ones. But at this point, you know, if you're interested in that, send an email to questions at arcaderepairtips.com and we'll discuss that further. That's just a little announcement. But guys, let's also thank Tim for getting up in front of the camera and allowing us to film. We have a lot of fun doing what we do. I mean, I think I think it's it's more fun than we let on. If you've seen the blooper reels and things like that, you probably know that. You know, some days it feels like work, but I mean, like right. last Saturday, I think we had more fun than we had had in a while, even though it was about four or five hours worth of film, uh, wor- actual work. Uh, that It took us that long. It, it was 30 minutes of video for, you know, like four four hours worth of work with all the stuff that we had to do with setup and everything like that. And so, you know, it's just, it's it's very involved, but we enjoy doing it. It's something that we, we really like to do, and we're glad that there are other people out there. And every time that, you know, we delay a little bit on a podcast, you would not believe the amount of emails. Can't wait for episode 29. Hope episode 29 is coming soon. <laughs> right. And so, you know, we love those emails and Some like that guys as well. have listened to every episode and are still listening now when some guys have already turned us off. That's right. Because we're done. <laughs> you know, thank you, thank you, thank you. And, you know, people ask us, how can we help? You know, you do this for free. Well, we, we do it for free in some respects, but we right. do sell the DVDs. Right. And they're not that expensive. And that does help us to further do other projects. Or when we want to shoot a video, sometimes we have to order parts yep. and things. So maybe you want a video shot on a new switching power supply. Well, maybe you know if somebody wants to donate that and, and send it, that saves us a lot of money and would kind of stir us to do that. Right. I'm just throwing some suggestions out there. But by buying our videos, even if you know most of the stuff, you'll have it on library or you can give it away to somebody else who may... Uh, you might be having a friend or something right. you'd like to get in the hobby. Especially guys who are new to this. I think that our videos are really catered towards guys who are just getting into it. Right. And it's a great opportunity that you can you know, help your friend out and say, you know what, I've watched all these guys. All their videos have really helped me out. Here's a set of videos for you. These should really help you out. And if you don't know, there are things on the videos that aren't on, you can't find anywhere else. Nothing else. There's the bloopers. But we also go into more details, and that's the way we're starting to shoot some of our videos. Now, you may get, like if we talk about replacing a flyback, in the YouTube version, it might not show, actually show it. Right. It'll just say we replaced a flyback, because you guys kind of know how to do that. But for some of you new guys who are like, well, what does that involve? We go into a little bit more detail on the videos, right. so that we take you step by step by step. Yeah, and basically, uh, we're going to start calling those extended cuts that you're going to find in the DVDs. And the biggest extended cut, Tim, that we have is probably going to be for this next one on, you know, uh, basically fixing games that are playing blind, troubleshooting games that are playing blind. Because, you know, we don't show how to do the hot and the flyback because it's an expert video. And at this point, we just assume that you guys have already seen those videos and you know it. Right. But on extended cut, you will actually see that on Volume 4. There is one more thing we need to discuss, and I will, and Jonathan, you're going to have to help me with this. If you know someone, they can't, they're not listening right now because they're hearing impaired. We have a great announcement that we're, we're, we'll just tease you with it maybe a little bit right now. Mm-hmm. But we actually have a listener that has volunteered to transcribe all of our videos. Right. And say we could use them if we know somebody else. What a labor of love that was. Right, and so what we've done on those YouTube videos that he's already transcribed, which most of them are on the Volume 1, so the the standard definition videos now that we have, but we've actually gone back and added the transcribed audio and and the files to the videos, so when you look at the closed captioning for those, you actually see what he transcribed. And we thank that listener so much. I don't want to give out any names here, Tim, but we want to thank... It's guys like that, just doing little things like that, that really help out other people, other people right. in the community. I mean, it's a very, it's a very, you know, very good thing for him to do that. And if you guys have any ideas, 
you know, that you got, you know, about like, you know, videos or anything like that. We love any kind of video. You know, we want to reach out to as many people as we can and we want to make this information accessible. I will tell you that Google does YouTube, you know, and they transcribe the audio, but you would be surprised how many words that Google gets wrong. Right. You know, CRT isn't really, you know, that's, yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, fly back, you know, it doesn't really get that those words go together when it does the automatic transcription. And so it's nice to have somebody who knows Arcade Repair a little bit and understands the wording. So when those videos are transcribed and put up on there, they actually read correctly for those who are reading them. So we want to thank that listener for doing that. And we want to thank anybody else too, like I said, just for listening and, and guys get involved in the community, get involved in the Facebook page. And uh, again, we'll be talking to y'all just a week from now on next Saturday for the Texas Pinball Festival. So Tim, I think it's time to say bye. So Adios. Okay. Well, you guys have a, a great day and uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. And remember here at Arcade Repair Tips, when you fix the game, you, you play, play the game. game. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Arcade Repair Tips question and answer podcast. All of our episodes are available for download at ArcadeRepairTips.com or at the iTunes Music Store under podcasts. This podcast is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please consult a professional before attempting to repair any coin-operated machines yourself. The preceding program is a Varcade Entertainment production.